This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. And Julia. And Mark. All right, so our uh, toll-free number allows you to take control of the airwaves. You can bring up anything that you want. That's the point of this program. Uh, And, of course, uh, you can join us online as well over at freetalklive.com, where you will be able to uh, create the the content uh, of the website. You can uh, find something online that you think is interesting and then submit it as show prep over on our website. Other listeners at that point will then vote as to whether or not they like or dislike what it is that you have suggested. And, of course, you get to cast your vote on other items. Uh, and then the most voted up will make it to the front page and the top of the site. So drop on by freetalklive.com, get interactive there, and enjoy. It's completely free, unlike a lot of those other talk show hosts they want to charge you for accessing their sites. We give it away. Go to freetalklive.com. Uh, so we will, of course, uh, talk to you about whatever's on your mind. Mark, you brought something in tonight that uh, I got a chuckle out of me when you, you gave me the tease off the air. Yeah, it's another article from Carlos Miller, and I've got to say, his articles have become some of my favorite uh, on the internet. I, I really do believe the time has come and the tide is changing around this one issue, which is uh, you know social, social media uh, slash filming the police, that kind of thing. Uh, it, police, Plus, he's a heck of a nice guy. He's, he's a nice guy, and I, I've met him, but I liked his articles before yeah. I met him, so what difference does it make? Um, p- police, the world over don't seem to like cameras people people in government positions with guns uh, even without them people in government positions don't like cameras i don't think most people like to be filmed um in in their daily lives and things like that however most people don't purport to be your public, public servant. servant so they've got this uh they got this real weird uh, sort of uh, dichotomy going they're my servant but at the same time they can tell me what to do so um, here's his article here. It's uh, over at Pixic.com, P-I-X-I-Q.com. But I think you could just find him by uh, looking up uh, Photography is Not a Crime. That's his, uh, his blog that he works in conjunction with. I'm not sure. So anyway, Alexander Arbuckle, a 21-year-old New York University journalism student, believed police were being portrayed unfairly in media stories about the Occupy Wall Street protests last year. So he began a journalism, photojournalism project in an attempt to show officers in a more positive light. He got arrested. <laughs> the New I'm York- sorry, I shouldn't laugh, but uh, I can't say I'm surprised. <laughs> it's funny. Everybody, everybody I've read this to today just chuckles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the New York City police claimed that he had been standing in the middle of a street blocking traffic on New Year's Day, so they charged him with disorderly conduct, which, as we all know, is the catch-all charge when right. a crime has not been committed. Thanks to videos from fellow photographers as well as police that showed him he never left the sidewalk, Oh wow! Arbuckle was acquitted this week. Now, acquitted means... They took this all the way. They had the evidence, and they must have never looked at it, because the defense is supposed to give the evidence to the prosecution, as I understand it. It doesn't matter if they look at it. Uh, they want to sweat it. They want to sweat you out. So whenever they lost it nothing, is, they, right? Mm-hmm. They lose nothing by sweating you out, right? Uh, so you know that prosecutor is getting paid whether he does his job or not. Uh, the prosecutor is getting paid to bring this trial or not bring it to trial. So he's going to bring it to trial. He's going to go as far as he can possibly go, and if he loses, it's no skin off his back. Uh, it's it's just you know, they want to sweat you out because they want you to take a plea deal. They want you to be intimidated, and it is an intimidating process. 
Uh, when when you go to court, and if you've never been to court before, it's very intimidating. You don't know. It's their game. They set the rules. It's their place. It's their location. I mean, they they're they're on defense, or actually, I guess they're on offense. But you're you know you're the uh, you're not the home team, uh, shall we say? Yeah, and, you're nothing like the home team when you go to, you go to court. Right. So uh, so they they want to charge you with a bunch of stuff, and then uh, you know offer you the plea deal, and then later offer you another plea deal, and in a last ditch attempt to uh, to get you to go ahead and cop. Cop a plea so they don't actually have to go to trial. And then, like what happened with our friend Jason Talley, moments before the trial was to begin, they sweated him sweated him out all the way up until after jury selection. They actually went through the process of doing jury selection. And then, literally, they the morning of the trial, they brought the jurors in. The jurors were sitting in the back room waiting to be brought into the, the trial. And they don't, that was by, by the, the way, the, the state doesn't care if they waste the jurors' time. No, either. they don't. And that was when they, they uh, threw the case. The prosecutor threw the case at the last moment. He uh, l- announced publicly in front of the judge that he'd screwed up, he'd forgotten to file a piece of paper that he's legally required to file, but of course if he hadn't mentioned that he was legally required to file it, the defense wouldn't have known that he hadn't sure. filed it because the defense didn't know that he was legally required to file that. So uh, the, you know, the prosecutor totally could have kept going with the case and gotten away with going through with the, the case, but ultimately he didn't want to have a trial wherein the person who was being accused was arrested for wearing a video camera in a courthouse. I mean, that was what the, the whole issue was about. So clearly, to me at least, he didn't want to bring that in front of a jury, which is why he threw it at the very last possible moment. Well, uh, b- before going on with the story, I'd say that there's a huge cost to this, though, for, to them, to th- those that would purport to be our servants. There's a huge cost to them, and that is the legitimacy of this, you know, the, the, the organization of government as they purport it today. Because currently, I mean, there's people like this that say, the police are being mistreated. They're, they're, they're being shown in a terrible light. I must save them. And they go out and they get arrested. And there are people that are like, what, are, what in the world are our public servants so worried about getting filmed for? I mean, they're really getting a lot of people turned against them on this particular issue. This is a hugely divisive issue. Mm-hmm. Most Americans will agree that police should be accountable to the public and that a person who's standing back far enough, I mean, not shoving a camera in somebody's face, but standing back far enough that police can do their jobs is not causing any problem. They should be allowed to do that. And as a result, because and and the courts are saying this. So if the Obama administration or, or some governors would come out and say, listen, my dear police officers, our valuable public servants, we know that the world would cease to spin on its axis and crack in half if it wasn't for you. But please, pretty please, stop arresting people for using cameras. But they have. Uh, there was the Glick decision. They just keep decision. on doing it. Right. There was the Glick decision. Then there was this Baltimore no, th- those police. Those are the courts. And oh, you're saying the executive branch. The executive branch. Because the, the, the executive Isn't the branch, Department of Justice the executive branch? I don't believe it is. I would, it sounds, it sounds, sounds like judicial. the judicial branch, but I don't know. I don't know. Isn't Maybe. that Eric Holder? Isn't that the attorney general? And that's basically the top cop, right? Okay. I, I didn't pay attention in civics class. <laughs> I don't think that they gave me that uh, the, the flow chart on uh, whether DOJ <laughs> really? is executive or I remember judicial. that. They gave us like a breakdown of what the various compartments of government were, and I don't remember any of it. It is the executive branch, according right. to Wikipedia. Strangely, 
police departments continue. I mean, this is something that needs to be passed down. It needs to be passed down quickly. I mean, they seem to know that, uh, you know, important stuff like uh, p- terrorists wear Ron Paul bumper stickers on their cars. Somehow or another, they don't know that you can take uh, film uh, of them while they're doing their jobs. So uh, so you've got, a, speaking of Carlos Miller from Pixic, PIXIQ.com, He's down in Miami. That's where he lives. Uh, I don't know if you remember the story, but just as an example of what happens when that notice comes out, there was the uh, Miami Transit Authority. Uh, They work with private security guards. So the government agency hires private security to work at the the train stations. Mm -hmm. And basically what happened was uh, Carlos Miller had been through some nonsense before with those guards there trying to shut down videography. And he had, I think there was a court case, I don't remember all the details, but ultimately a notice came out right. uh, that was issued to all the Metro Transit Authority. So from the Metro Transit Authority, like the high level, coming down to all the security guards. In fact, Carlos said that it was even posted at the guard station. Like he saw this notice posted at the guard station. Who and- reads the things that are posted at work, though? Well, okay, I'm just giving you an example here, <laughs> right? Know, so I like know. the notice came out. It was even posted, so it wasn't like a one-time thing and then got thrown in the trash. It was posted, and uh, so this notice was supposedly given to all, all the different departments and all the security guards. But yet, when he and a demo, or I think it was he and a demo actually, a demo and Pete had gone down to visit on one of their Liberty on tours, mm-hmm. uh, and. It only took seconds before the guards started harassing them over having video cameras. Well, this just goes to show how uh, disorganized the law enforcement system is. I mean, you you can't have a meeting of people who has a meeting of people who has a meeting of people down sort of pyramid until every law enforcement in the in the country understands this. We're going to come back with more, plus the details on this original story that yeah. we're talking about. 855-450-FREE. Free Talk Live. Tired of that same old government-free baklava from Mandrick? How about trying Stateless Sweets government-free fudge and caramel? Stateless Sweets are made with real ingredients and prepared fresh for delivery to your home. Order them as a gift, a well-deserved decadent treat for yourself, or catered for your next event. Go to statelesssweets.com. That's statelesssweets.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Toll-free number, 855-453. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features you'll find there completely free. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. And Julia. And Mark. Once again, 855-453. That allows you to take control of the airwaves here. That's why we call it Free Talk Live. You're free to call in, talk about anything you want, and we do it live seven nights per week. And by the way, you probably already noticed Mark is now back on Mondays. That's right. So uh, welcome back, sir. And uh, tell me about something important. <laughs> well, it's, uh, you could join more than a million people who've trusted LegalZoom.com for their common legal documents. You can incorporate your business or create a will or a living trust, living will or uh, just a regular trust if you want. Register a trademark, whatever common legal documents that you need, you can get them at LegalZoom.com. I uh, did my will over there. It was fast and easy, just as they advertised. They asked a few questions, spit out a will. It was awesome um, and a heck of a lot cheaper than it would have been going to some kind of lawyer to get it done. LegalZoom.com. Use coupon code FTL to save $10 on your order. Again, it's LegalZoom.com, coupon code FTL. 
All right, so you started out the program here tonight, Mark, with a story that we barely scratched the surface of before going off on a tangent about recording the police and how even if the government high-level people issue out a notice to their low-level uh, servants, so-called, uh, that they don't care, that they just ignore it, they just do whatever they want to, and then ultimately, if you don't like it, you have to bear the burden of taking them to court and going through however many different courts before finally maybe that one department will actually uh, fall in line. Do you think they don't – the police officers themselves don't care, or do you think that they don't know? I tend to think that they're ignorant of these situations because these rulings – that like. There's this huge snowball that's coming, and not everybody's aware of it out there. I mean, that uh, that, that you can record the police off police officers in the course of their duty, public servants on the public dime and public property doing the public work. You know, I mean, that, that you absolutely can record them. And I think that they're just so used to being able to do whatever it is they want that they're not used to not being able to do whatever it is they want. That they because uh, people don't like to be filmed. Run around after. Any old person on the street with a camera and see how much they dislike it. And you'll find it out very quickly. These police officers don't like it any more than anybody else, and it's kind of a new phenomenon for them. Well, to answer your question, it's probably a combo of both. Uh, It's probably that some of them haven't seen the memo, but then again supposedly these memos are distributed to everyone in the department. That doesn't mean you, they see them. I mean, I, I imagine they get, if these memos are distributed to everyone in the department, probably they're distributed, uh, a whole bunch of memos are distributed. But then there's also this attitude that some cops definitely have, which I don't know if you were here the night we read the story about uh, the cop who basically uh, shot a man to death in a bar and uh, al- announced prior to shooting He's, him to I'm death a police officer, that I'm a cop, anything. I can do whatever I, the F I want to. Yeah. So that attitude definitely exists. And the a lot of cops, some cops, I'm going to say a lot, but some cops get into policing because of that. They know that they're pretty much untouchable, that they'll be able to get away with whatever it is that, they, uh, that they're that they doing. And uh, so, yeah, I think that it's probably a combo of both. There's probably plenty of cops out there that, uh, you know, they know that if they arrest the videographer, that ultimately, even if the charges are dropped, that there's no consequence that comes to them. None. Well, well they don't like the consequence. What's the consequence? Okay, well, having worked with law enforcement for a period of time, I will be willing to say that official sanctions were rare. But sometimes they'd get these sort of unofficial sanctions of losing the the shift they like and things like that. Mm -hmm. And they don't want those sanctions either. So the idea of arresting somebody for filming them, it's such a small win for them. Uh, and then that person gets released and then they get some kind of small sanction or whatever, if in, ca- if in fact they get any sanction at all, that it's not really worth the trouble. I just tend to think they don't know. Wait, what's not worth the trouble? Arresting somebody when they're going to get away with it. You know, there's, there's no win. When you arrest somebody and you know that they're – for something that you know that they're allowed to do and they're going – and it's going to be a backlash against you. But you, why th- would but you, you just said it's rare that there's any sort of uh, consequence for them. Official so, consequences. Sometimes there's smaller consequences. But you know, but if I mean, they it's know it's worked. rare that there's a consequence, then what's – I mean there's no real significant risk to making that arrest. They can show that videographer what's for and give them something to think about because that videographer, especially if they're a mainstream media journalist, they're going to think twice about uh, approaching the police in the same way the next time, even if they do end up victorious after however many months of having to go to court uh, hearings and deal with a lawyer. The and- Second Circuit has really set police departments up to pay uh, to pay money for with the Glick decision? Yeah, with the Glick decision to pay money for false arrests. And didn't it say they were individually 
liable? Yes. The, the police officers themselves are liable, too, because they've been okay. warned. This is the second time that the Maybe second you're circuit. Right. I know that there down. was a notice that came out here in New Hampshire from the New Hampshire Attorney General's office that said that. But uh, you're looking for it. I just don't think they're looking yeah. for it. I mean, most of the police officers in, in New Hampshire are busy going about their day, handing out speeding tickets to people and, uh, you know, looking for college students to bust for it with a joint. And that's what they do. Well, fortunately, we don't have this problem with the police around here in Keene because uh, we've trained them uh, pretty sure. well with people videograph- uh, videoing them for years here. So that's not an the issue. The police here are pretty nice considering... Well, I you know, it, it, they're it, very it, tolerant. They've been taught it here, but in you know most of the country, they haven't been taught. And I just think that I think that's what it is. I think it's an issue that mainly police officers don't simply don't know that they're allowed to be recorded. So what happened in this one case? We're all right. Uh, going on about this about. Uh, story about uh, Mr. Ardbuckle here. The story told in the uh, this is from the Village Voice, uh, as quoted from Pixic.com. That's the story told in the criminal complaint against Arbuckle, and it's the story that this the officer— This is a guy who uh, wanted to set out to do a positive piece on the police because he thought they were getting a short shrift on the uh, Occupy reporting. And he got happened. arrested as yeah. a result. Um, they arrested him and, and told the story under oath that he was in the middle of the street when he wasn't. So the, they lied. Yep. The protesters—well, at least they were mistaken. The protesters, <laughs> including Arbuckle, were in the street blocking traffic, said uh, this is— uh, El Shaiba Vera testified the police on the sidewalk had to move in to make arrests to allow blocked traffic to move. But there was a problem with the police account. It bore no resemblance to photographs and videos taken that night. Arbuckle's own photographs from the evening placed him squarely on the sidewalk. Mm. All the video from NYPD's technical research assistance unit, which follows the protests with video cameras, um, an almost certain violation of federal consent decree, allowed Arbuc- showed Arbuckle on the sidewalk and in an an indication of the way new media is transforming the dynamics of street protest a clip from the live stream of journalist tim pool showed that not only was arbuckle on the sidewalk so were all the other protesters the only thing blocking traffic on 13th street that police were the police yep predictable and you know, uh, I guess, and here's the final little post. And by script. the way, just because you're on the sidewalk doesn't mean you're safe either. Carlos Miller was arrested on the sidewalk in Miami when he was trying to leave an Occupy event. Yeah, and st- that case is still going on. Um, apparently, he, you know, <laughs> the police officer is now claiming that she believed him to be threatening. Um, and it's all on video. Yeah. Well, no, but this is threatening in a blog previously. Like she arrested him for not getting off the sidewalk because he was threatening in a blog a couple of days before. <laughs> it's crazy talk. I don't that's even true. know. That's true. They were on the lookout about. for him. They knew he was going to be there. Yeah, that's that's the claim. So anyway, here uh, Carlos finishes up with no word on when Arbuckle's gleaming police gleaming piece on the police will be released. <laughs> so, uh, well, I hope he's uh, had a, a bit of a, a shift in his mindset about the police because of this. No. I don't know. I mean, people are people are as people are. How could you not? How how could you be a, a salivating uh, p- police, you know, obedient serf, and then all of a sudden not change when they come after you, when okay. they target you with some nonsense and lies, trumped up charges? Eight five five four fifty free. You take control. Free talk live. Bardo Fest is a camping gathering at Bardo Farm, an off-the-grid, eco-friendly farm in Croydon, New Hampshire. Attendees will enjoy live music performances, sustainability workshops, comedy, firearms education, terrific farm-raised food, vendors, and camping under the stars. Treat yourself and relax at 
Bardo Fest, May 25th through the 28th. A full festival pass, including camping, is just $50. Go to bardoproject.com. B-A-R-D-O project.com. This is Free Talk Live. You may take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free at 855-450-FREE. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Archives are there. You can click, download, and get as many as you'd like going all the way back to late 2006. All of it free over at freetalklive.com. Plus, Free Talk Live is now on SoundCloud. And that kind of changes how the archives work a little bit. I mean, you can still get them through our podcast. You can still click and download from our website. But if you go to soundcloud.com slash freetalklive, then you can see the whole list of archives there. And uh, they've got uh, neat features that will actually allow you to comment within the show. So when you look at soundcloud.com slash freetalklive, you'll see different waveforms, graphics of the the audio, what the audio looks like, essentially. And then uh, you can scroll to a – you can click on a certain point in the audio. If you, for instance, wanted to comment on the article we were just talking about, you could scroll to the second segment of the show and right to the minute and second almost where you you heard what you want to comment upon. And then you – Click there and write whatever, whatever it is you want. It's a really neat system. And uh, we're, yeah, we are working on uh, getting it built into our website. I've said it before, so now I have to keep like mentioning to you that really we're working on it. <laughs> I don't know when it's going to be done, but at some point it will. We'll pull that trigger and let you know. That way you can just go to free – eventually you'll be able to just go to freetalklive.com and be able to do all that stuff right from our site. Uh, but for now, you'll have to go to soundcloud.com slash freetalklive to get the extra features for our archives, which I think are pretty spiffy. That's why I keep talking about it. Uh, 855-450-FREE, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. We will continue here uh, with your calls in moments. But first, I want to also invite you to planeboards.com. If you, for instance, uh, are a web uh, webmaster or a blogger, maybe you've considered adding a forum to your website, but you just didn't want to deal with uh, having the hassle of having to install one, because it can be a pain. It's not just a hassle. I mean, I couldn't do it. Right. If you don't know how to do Linux, for instance, uh, in many cases, you you know, you know can't do that stuff. Uh, but also, if you are concerned about privacy, uh, if an anonymity is an important factor for you, you really want to look at plainboards.com. They offer free-to-use anonymous message boards for anyone who wants one. You don't even have to be a webmaster. You can just go and create your own message board if you want to. Share it with your friends on Facebook or something. Doesn't take long either. Right. Uh, li- literally within within seconds. Have you tried it yet, Mark? It's so easy. Well, I, I haven't tried it because I don't know what I'd do with it once I did it, but I think it's worth doing. I think trying. there are probably people who will create one and then do nothing with it. I mean, it's it's you know. It's it's interesting. It's a website where you can go and literally make one within seconds. It's no skin off their back. You can go and create ten of them and use three of them if you want. I mean, it, it doesn't matter, right? It's just some. It's just an entry in their database. Uh, so you can go there and you don't have to identify yourself. Of course, they're really concerned about privacy, uh, your privacy, and you don't have to log in. Just within seconds, start your own message board over at Plainboards. P L A I N Plainboards dot com. Uh, let's go to Mike listening in Canton, Ohio. Mike, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Julia, and Mark. Mike in Canton. Mike, going once. Yeah, can you hear me? There you are. Go ahead, sir. Okay. Yeah, uh, we had a little interesting incident out here the other day. Um, Thursday, we were raided by the police. We? Who's we? um, Just our our apartment. My wife and I live here, and my mother-in-law stays with us. uh, We had about 15 police officers going through our living room trying to find the marijuana operation in our basement, which we don't have. Oh, wow. Do you have a basement? We have a basement, but okay, we didn't have any marijuana growing in there. But uh, it was all based on our power bill. They felt wow. our power bill was too high compared to our, our neighbors. 
which, yeah, they have different uses uh, rates than we do, of course, because we have more people here, and um, my mother-in-law is always here, so the AC is always on, uh, or the the heater, whatever, where they're working, and yeah. So the power company just kind of sends, I mean... What would? How did they get this information in the first place? Are they just being sent lists of high power consumers in the area by the power company? How does this happen? Well, here's where it gets kind of suspicious. Um, we signed up for what they call PIP, uh, Percentage of Income Payment Program, because uh, I'm unemployed and going to school right now, and uh, it kind of averages out your your uh, your bill. It's kind of like a budget program, but it's okay. a federal program, and we signed up for it two weeks ago. And when the police were here, they said they got a tip from the FBI, and it came two weeks ago uh, regarding our power consumption. Mm-hmm. So we're wondering if this federal power assistance program is funneling information to the cops here, you know, tipping them off on, oh, they're using a lot of power, and that maybe had to raid their. Uh, Wouldn't raid surprise their me. That scares me because I have a really high power power bill. Yeah, but you're not on some federal assistance program, no. are you? I guess you're right. Not but today. They won't tell us who the informant is. They're, they're hide- In essence, if this is the case, the government is hiding behind the confidential informant rules to keep this under wraps. Well, now, uh, you weren't charged with anything, were you? Wasn't charged, and even on the warrant, it doesn't have our names on it at all. It only has uh, the property, just the address. Mm-hmm. They didn't even ask for our ID uh, or our names or anything. Well, they would have gotten your name had they found the marijuana grow up. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, so, basically, you signed up for some federal power assistance program, and that, that made right. it so they got to scrutinize your power bill, and they decided that, Yeah, you're that, jumping to a conclusion here. I mean... That seems like a reasonable I, I am, conclusion. I am jumping to a conclusion, but, it, you know, when the tip comes in at the, the exact same time we're presenting uh, the federal agency with a copy of our electric bill, it's kind of a big twin. It, it is suspicious. I don't know how else they'd get the information. Well, especially if the cops claimed it came from the feds. I mean, that's one yeah. plus one plus yeah. two in this case. And I told them, I, I, the, the, police, the, the to be fair, the police were actually nice about it. They didn't come in with their guns drawn. They didn't throw us on the floor, none of that kind of stuff. Um, I'm from California. That's how they generally deal with people out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Ohio, they're a little more, I don't know, they seem to have a little more common sense about so, it. So they didn't break the door down? They knocked first? I mean, how did they? They knocked. They knocked. They didn't break the door down, although I didn't answer right away. And they said if I hadn't answered when I did, they would have broken the door down. Mm-hmm. But uh, so nobody was roughed up. They didn't trash our house or anything like that. It was pretty clear when they came in that we weren't what they were looking for, you know. So I'll give them that much credit, but it's still just not right that they can deem that you're using too much power. And, you know, the the, the warrant is really scary because when you read the warrant, they can take everything in your house, everything, money, uh, uh, bill records, uh, computers, <laughs> They could take Everything. money if you weren't caught with marijuana? No, if you were. Oh, okay. If you've got a grow operation, then every dollar that you have ever made is suddenly dirtied. Oh, I bet you if you had $10,000 sitting out, they'd take that, even oh, if you sure. didn't have a grow operation. <laughs> Maybe. I don't well, know. Well, they do it when yeah. you're driving. Yeah. Why wouldn't they take it from your house? I don't know, but this is the slow creep that we're, we're talking about here is is that, you know, I mean, now people, the, probably the reason that the, the cops didn't throw everybody on the ground is they probably do two or three of these a week and they're finding out that this is you know that's not that big of a deal at all i mean i don't this isn't probable cause for a warrant as far as i can tell i don't understand why some judge even signed this it's probably 
It rubber must stamp. be probable cause it, in their world. It's a rubber stamp on here. Well, no, actually, you did sign it. It is signed. Yeah, they, they signed a bunch That's of them. Right here. I don't mean a literal yeah. well, I mean, what, again, what's the consequence to the police if they go and raid a house and they don't find a grow-up? Or the judge for signing it. Right. There is no consequence. None. And then, like I told the, the the cop here when I asked who the informant was, I knew they weren't going to tell us, but I, I felt obligated to ask. And they said, oh, that's confidential. Right. Said, you well, could have found out it. had you been charged, likely, who the informant was. Uh, usually they Yeah, w- if it went to trial. Yeah. If it went to trial, we could. Right. If, we still might be able to sue maybe and find out. But I told the officer, I said, if you found the Medellin cartel, you know, living in our basement, yeah, you know, and it went to trial, then the name of the informant would come out in open court. Okay, because you have a right to face your accuser, and that would that would come out. But because they didn't find anything, the police are going to side with the side of the the liar that lied about us and protect the identity of the liar. Mm-hmm. That's all they do. They won't protect the the, the actual witness to find something. Right. You've been they violated. Your your home, the place where is supposed to be your know, your castle, one of the sacred grounds, if you will. You've been violated, and you have no idea. How it happened, and this, what he's pointing out here is, yeah. is that if the person is telling the truth, then their name will come out in open court. But if they're lying, they'll be protected by the police. It's insane. Exactly. And so, so now, the liar yeah. right now, they can continue to use this liar over and over again to search every house. Well, right, from here if they search enough basements, they might actually find a grow up. Hey, uh, Mike, thanks for the story tonight. I'm sorry that happened to you, and it must have been uh, even though they didn't beat you up or, or you know point weapons at you, still. Pretty uh, shocking and pretty disturbing. Yeah, it was a little disturbing. I bet it was. And thank you for the call. I'm glad you're all right. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwave. Even if the iron glove wears velvet, it's still a pretty awful experience. Free Talk Live. What has happened to America, and when did it become okay for the government to extort wealth from the American people? As a former law enforcement officer, I have explained in my new book, In Plain Sight, The Disregarded Truth, how absolute property ownership has been denied to the American people, how and why inflation is fleecing America, how law enforcement officers are being used to suppress and criminalize the beliefs of liberty and freedom. In Plain Sight explains how we can restore what was once a free America. Get your copy of In Plain Sight, The Disregarded Truth today at Amazon.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. All you have to do is dial in toll-free at 855-450-FREE, the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. Joining you tonight here, it's Ian. And Julia. And Mark. All right. Uh, Of course, you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. If you like the show and you like the fact that we give you the features on the website for free, you can go uh, to freetalklive.com and you can shop with us by going to shop.freetalklive.com. That'll bring up a page with some links to Amazon, and when you click on the Amazon link of your choice, uh, there's a U.S., U.K., and Canada Amazon link, so click on the right one for you. Then just do your normal Amazon shopping with the same great Amazon prices, huge selection, free super saver shipping. You know Amazon. Uh, it's the same experience you're used to. You're just entering through our portal, so Amazon will send Free Talk Live a cut of their profits. So get your shopping done over at shop.freetalklive.com. Great way to support the show and get the stuff you're looking for for your life. All right, so we'll continue here uh, with your calls. Uh, by the way, I thought it was interesting, the uh, the last caller who had his home raided. Mike? Uh, yeah, he, he had his home raided by the police because of a power bill. 
uh, because somebody determined that uh, his power bill was unusually high compared to surrounding homes, and so therefore he must have a grow operation. So they raided his home, didn't find a grow operation. Turns out, you know, he's just got people living there all the time, and so they're the AC's on and etc. It makes some sense that uh, people that are there all the time are going to have a higher power bill than people that go to work for you know X number of hours a day. I'm right. really surprised that you can raid somebody just based on their power bill. Yeah, me so too. like I thought that there would have to be a few criteria, like real evidence, right. of Something going on. It's crazy. Welcome to uh, you know the 21st century, I guess. But uh, it's I thought what was important to point out, and I kind of uh, he. You could have gleaned this from what he was saying, but it's important to make it explicit that for those of you out there who might be listening to this show saying, well, I don't deal drugs. I don't deal drugs. I don't I don't manufacture drugs. This won't happen to me. This is a perfect example of exactly how the war on drugs can affect you, even though you maybe have never even touched marijuana. Maybe you have never done drugs. Maybe you've never sold a, a drug in your life, but... All of a sudden, the police come to your front door one day because your power bill was too high. You had no idea that could happen. And in this case, they were looking for a grow op, which uh, you know specified in the basement or whatever. So they're able to look in places where one has a grow up. But you know, I mean, if the judge will sign this over uh, too high of a power bill, then who's to say that they can't look other places? What if they decided to go through his medicine cabinet and found, say, some painkillers, some that expired were out medication? Of yeah, yeah, if there's some expired medication, that's a felony. Me, baby. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, this is exactly how it can happen to you. Who doesn't have expired medication in their cabinets? Well, I, I mean, uh, expired prescription medication, I should be clear. Not. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure if you went through my medicine cabinet, right, you'd probably find <laughs> Who goes <laughs> through. probable cause. Right. Who, who inventories their medicine right. cabinet? And <laughs> I mean, it's got to be in the back somewhere. I wouldn't Go know home about and do it. that tonight. Okay. Flush them down the toilet. So insane. <laughs> like this- cough medicine? It would depend. Look, I'm not going to propose to be a legal expert, but I can assure you that if it's uh, if you were prescribed, uh, you know, opiate sort of pain medication and that medication is out of date, that that is likely a felony because you are now possessing something that you were you know longer no longer prescribed because you're only prescribed for the period that you're allowed to have it. This is just it's just so insane. I just thought it was important to point that out because some people believe that, uh, well, because I don't do anything wrong, therefore I can't get in trouble. Therefore, the war on drugs is fine by me because it will never affect me. Uh, but, uh, you know, this can affect you. And this is only one of the ways it can affect you. It can also affect you by some crazed crackhead or meth addict uh, robbing you on the street or breaking into your car and taking stuff uh, from your home so they can go out and buy crack. But this is a real in-your-face example of how it can affect you. And that, and that Mike was lucky that they didn't come in and point guns at him and his family or shoot his dog. Or, you know, point guns at his cat in an attempt to get him to react and jump at the police so they have an excuse to shoot him. All this stuff happens. Do we have a shot cat yet in the war on drugs? No, but they have uh, pointed guns at cats before. And the, the, Man, the intention, you shoot my cat, we got a problem. That's the intention, is to uh, to get you to react, to get you to I would be very lunge. upset if somebody pointed and a gun at my cat. And people feel the same way, as you can imagine, about their dogs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is... It's not just the police trying to, uh, you know, be pr- protecting themselves from a possible dog bite because they've shot dogs in crates before. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they can use any they they can basically it's a death sentence upon your animal if they wish to execute it, if they get a search warrant. All right, As a I- matter of fact, there was a situation where a cop got lost at the end of a dead end street and the dog charged out of, of out from underneath the house at him and he shot him dead. He was going he was he was getting out of his car to ask directions to something and he shot somebody's dog dead for i mean just in their yard 
So, I mean, they, they could just they could just kill your dog, and there's nothing you could do about it. Well, okay, so uh, maybe we've never reported on it, Mark, but just a quick Google search of police shoot cat uh, <laughs> reveals... It's really not funny it's, it's at not all. Funny. Uh, but uh, the Dayton, this is from 2011, August 26, 2011. Dory and Randall Stone are devastated after a police officer shot their cat in the head and are now determined to get Lebanon's police policies regarding, or excuse me, Lebanon's policies regarding injured or stray animals changed. Hayes went missing last Friday, and by Sunday, he still hadn't come home. They frantically searched their neighborhood. Normally, when that happens, you think they got hit by a car uh, or you know, taken in by some other family. They frantically searched their neighborhood, but because he never went far, or excuse me, because he never went far the times that he had left their yard previously, little did they know that at around 1 p.m. on Saturday, a Lebanon police officer answering an animal complaint call from a neighbor's relative shot Hayes in the head, and the relative stuffed him in the garbage. Dory Stone said something needs to be done. If this is common practice, it needs to be changed. Wait, just shooting random cats in the street? Wait, these people's relative uh, called the animal <laughs> control on their cat and then sh- uh, watched it killed and then shoved it in the garbage and didn't tell them? <laughs> They've got a bigger problem than uh, than their cat being shot. <laughs> well, no, it was the neighbor's relative that uh, that did it. Oh, I see. Okay. Anyway, my husband and I, she says, have not eaten since Sunday morning. We are sick. We close our eyes at night and see his little face and oh. to think as good of care as we took of him for almost seven years that these were his last moments and that was the way he had to die. It's unbearable. She said she went to the police station on Sunday and was told that a cat had been euthanized on Saturday. She rushed over to a neighbor's house and found Hayes in a trash bag under some branches. (laughs) We love our cats. Do you know what it was like to pull your pet out of the garbage can and then pull him out of the garbage bag and his head is bloody with a bullet hole in it? She said it's so violent that they did this to our animal and made no effort to call the Humane Society or find his owners. That's really psychotic. According to city manager Pat Clements, the police officer was following policy and that animal cruelty laws don't apply because it's a matter of health, safety, and welfare of the community. A stray cat. I mean, a cat that's gotten out of somebody's house. Based on information I have received, he says, it appears that the officer's actions were necessary and in compliance with departmental policies. There are currently no local or county agencies equipped to respond to sick or injured stray cats, and our options are limited. So the cat was sick? That's the claim. Clement said he understands that people in the community would be upset over the death of a pet, but the officer who responded had no way of knowing the animal was a pet and not feral because it had no tags. So they say that they don't have anybody to deal with it appropriately. So you shoot it in the head? Like that method of of euthanizing seems I, really sick to me. I'm trying to take the other side of this and, and figure it out. And I suppose if you're talking about some scraggly, disease-ridden stray <laughs> animal, you know, poking about in your garbage, I, I like maybe I don't want to catch it with a butterfly net either, as if I've got a butterfly net, right? Well, animal control should have the appropriate devices right. to be able to wrangle. I mean. Down in Florida, you can call the animal control guys out, and they're going to take care of a gator for you, right? I mean, that's the idea, at least. Can't handle a common house cat? you got to pull out a, a, a pistol to handle a house cat? I mean, there's a picture of this cat here. I, obviously, we don't know how old the photo is, but it looks like a common house cat. Right? It's that's not a, so sad. It's not a cougar. Yeah. Stone said that uh, she was told that Hayes appeared to be hurt or ill, and her neighbor had planned to knock on doors to see if the cat had an owner nearby, but that her brother-in-law called the police. Because calling the police always makes the situation better. Why would you t- call the police about a cat? Yeah, like, it's crazy. Here's where what really gets screwed up is the brother-in-law sounds like he doesn't live there, right? 
That's what it sounds like, yeah. And they really, I mean, how do these people, the cat owners, feel about the lady who lives at the house where the cat was executed now? <laughs> Terrible. Right. So now you've got this whole drama that's created by somebody who comes over and says, I know how to fix this. We'll just call the law. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, you know what? If you're going to call the law to get a cat executed, do it in your neighborhood so that your neighbors can throw rocks through your window, <laughs> because that's what's going to I mean, come on. <laughs> that's what's going to things. Things like this happen. I mean, these people hate these people now. According to the police incident summary, the caller said the cat was astray and that he was fearful the cat had rabies. The animal was panting, did not respond to the officer's presence, and the officer felt the cat was suffering and in distress, according to the report summary. Of course, if the police officer didn't say that, then his police uh, shooting wouldn't be as justified, right? The NYPD claimed that this guy that was doing a documentary um, in favor of them was in the middle of the street when video could be shown all over exactly. the place that they, wa- that they wasn't. Yep. 855-450-FREE-SACL-CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves. So, yes, the police do kill cats. And this isn't the only story. 855-450-3733. You take control. Shot him in the head. This is Free Talk Live. Hour two's next. Talk Live. We are launching into the second hour of the program. You're invited. Dial in toll-free. Take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind at 1-855-450-3733. 855-450-FREE. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. And all the features there we give to you. You can actually control the content of the site. You find something you want to share with our listeners, submit it over at freetalklive.com. Submit it as show prep. Then it will be voted upon, and the most voted up item will make it to the front page and the top of the site. So therefore, every day you go, probably is going to be something new at the top of the site. Thanks to listeners like you for going and actually making it possible. Because if you didn't do it, I can tell you, we wouldn't have time to do it, and our site would be garbage in comparison to what it is now. It would be really kind of fishy if we were posting <laughs> posting articles up on our own site. Uh, we set up a site so that people could post articles and we're posting stuff. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the only time I've ever posted is just right, like in the beginning, just to test the posting thing to see if it worked. That was it. So head on over to freetalklive.com. We're going to go to your phone calls here. Uh, let's start with Mary in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Julia, and Mark. Mary. Hello. Hey there. Yes. You're on the air. All right. Um, I was um, I was assaulted by uh, people in Pakistan. You've got a really bad connection. It's uh, it's pretty hard to hear what you're saying. Are you talking right into your phone? Yeah, I'll try and speak up and project my voice. The phone is um, yeah. This past Wednesday, I was uh, assaulted by five, six, maybe more uh, individuals in costumes and guns, and I was thrown in a cage for the night, and I was just. They're at the courthouse trying to pay a fine. Oh, no. So I could reinstate my license and pay the $100 speaking ticket. Normally when you're there to give them money, they're very nice to you. What uh, what happened in this case? Well, there was $145 bills that had too many marks on them, and they were rejected, and I was told to leave. You were told to leave because you brought them money they didn't like? Yes. 
I was I was told to leave, and when I um, said, hey, you know, I'm just trying to remain safe, I'm just trying to, you know, get my permission to drive back, and I'm here by, you know, by force, uh, because you're forcing me to give you money. And so I wanted to kind of, you know, make a restarting point and get it on camera. So the camera only got like 40, 47 seconds, I think, um, before a officer approached my brother and said, give me the camera. And I reached out, intercepted it, put it in my pocket, saying that's, that's my property, and I turned it off, and it won't be turned back on. And then I was, you know, <laughs> already shaking because I got a cop glaring over my left-hand mm. shoulder while I'm at the window, and I took the money across to the, um, the clerk <laughs> behind the desk, and she started looking at it, and she realized it was, it was marked up and said, can we take this? And the officer said no and told me to leave. Now, and if I question of clarification here on the markings uh-huh. on the bills uh, was how much was the fine or the fee that with, that you were paying? Uh, it was a total of one hundred and forty five dollars. So That's each 100... does. So you were paying the full oh. amount in in ones and one dollar bill. And so was this a, like a, a kind of a protest uh, or that you just had yeah. ones around? I had uh, I had under duress written on several. I had uh, friends that had written quotes on them, a lot of really good quotes. Uh, Basquiat, Martin Luther King Jr., Frederick, Frederick Douglass. I mean, I, I intentionally went through to try wow. and make a point. And uh, yeah, no, so they were basically right arrested <laughs> for contempt of government, right? Right. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Mary, did you? Um, just a question regarding the markings on the bills. Was the marking covering the serial number? On some of it, there was the quotes that were written through, but all none of them had, like, void written on them, and all of them had still left on them the uh, thing where it says, this is good for all debt, private, and public. That but was there's normally all. two serial numbers on uh, on each bill, so were you covering I, both serial numbers? No. I mean, both serial numbers, if you look at the bill, could have been read on at least 90% of them. I would say that this particular courthouse is probably violating some sort of legal tender law by doing this. I'm no lawyer or anything like that, but uh, if you like, when I was first researching stamping, because I stamp every dollar that comes through my hands, I have uh, freekeen.com and a freetalklive.com stamp. Uh, in fact, I was in here earlier today doing some stamping. So uh, I was looking into this because some people were saying, well, that's mutilation. You can't do that uh, to U.S. currency. And then uh, I went to the the Where's George site, wheresgeorge.com, and uh, many people probably come across these. Uh, where's George is an interesting site where you can go and type in a serial number of a bill, and then Where's George will tell you where other people have entered that bill across the country. So, like a dollar bill, for instance, goes through a lot of hands. And uh, if you put in a, if you find a dollar bill that's got a Where's George dot com stamp on it, put that serial number in, you'll get to see where it was picked up and where people have entered it all over the place. It's right. interesting, and like what transaction type they were in, engaged in when they got it. Uh, and so they've got a, a frequently asked questions on their website where they've done, you know, the legal research necessary they they've had their lawyers check this out you know what is considered mutilating a bill it's when you cut basically it's when the serial numbers are illegible so if you covered all of the serial number or if you covered even a portion of the serial number to where you could like between both serial numbers you couldn't figure out which the serial number was then that was probably mutilation but i doubt that the people behind the uh, the desk were aware of this they just were after you because you were protesting and they didn't like you at the bank 
Uh, we as tellers had the option to pull money out of circulation that we considered to be mutilated. Now, the definition of the mutilated money was like whatever you didn't feel comfortable giving out. So mine, I gave it all out unless it was like burnt or, you know what I mean, like so nasty. I didn't want to touch it. Right. And um, so there were some tellers that didn't like giving out the the stamped, stamped bills. bills. Like they didn't like them. So they would pull them out of circulation. We hmm. send them to the Federal Reserve. So uh, are mom? you... Do you know if there's any way that you can get uh, any kind of accountability for this? And by the way, were they were you charged with something? Yes, I was charged with a misdemeanor of disorderly person. And then as I was being herded out the door by a growing number of individuals with guns, my back was pressed against the door to the lobby of the building. And I was still trying to say, hey, I'm just trying to avoid getting in trouble. I'm trying, you know, I'm just trying to pay a fine here. And I said, really, there's like five of you with guns. And one of them, uh, the one that was right in my face, said something about, all right, that's it, or something along those lines, or I've had enough years. And he grabbed a hold of my arm, and I pulled my arm back and said, I don't consent to you touching me. And I turned, and the next thing I know, I'm on the ground. Wow. Towards the open door. My brother was a few steps ahead of me. So you now was your brother also arrested, or was it just you? No, my brother, thank goodness, he, he kept his cool. He, he, he knew better. You know, they have guns. He knew that. What what happened to the video? You did get video of a portion of this. Uh, you you turned the camera off, unfortunately, but uh, I, mean, I don't blame yeah. you. They're scary. Uh, but what happened yeah. to the video? Did they delete it, or do you still have that? I have the video of the first 47 seconds, but that was before the money was rejected and I was asked to leave. Mm. The video in the lobby, I talked to my court-appointed attorney today. I did talk to him today. And tomorrow morning is the official visit where I'm supposed to go back to the location of the assault and, and talk to him officially. Um, and he said he's put in the paperwork. And and so that's, I mean, we're in the process of getting a hold of the video. But I, I probably won't see it tomorrow, and it wouldn't surprise me if you know, it disappears. Wow. So you went to the, the courthouse to try to pay the fine to get your driving privileges, uh, so-called, back. And because they didn't like the political messages that you had written on the dollar bills, which should be a completely legal thing to do. Well, they don't like that you don't like. It's, they don't like that you don't have complete obeisance. Mm. You should go in there scraping and crawling and I'm thanking so them. I'm sorry. Right. Uh, or at the very least, keep your mouth shut. I mean, they yeah. do not like surly serfs. And that's no. what it really comes down to. Yeah, you can't point out the gun in the room. You, you can't do it. And I think I would have had a better experience. I mean, looking back at it, the only thing I could have done differently is just as soon as they rejected the money, put it in my first turn and walk without trying to have a conversation as I be back to the door. You know, um, you got. unfortunately, a lot of us, we have to live and learn by mistake. But it sounds like I thought it was a great protest. It sounds like a lot of fun. I wish I could have been there to uh, to experience it with you. And uh, I hope you'll consider making a move to New Hampshire because we need people who have uh, the gumption to be willing to do stuff like this. I paid property taxes all in $1 bills, and they were all stamped. Thankfully, uh, they didn't reject them or try any shenanigans like that. Thanks, Mary, for the call. We're coming up. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society, the wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. 
Talk Live. Bring up anything you want, toll free. 855-450-FREE. That number is brought to you by SACL, C-A-I, 1-855-450-3733. You can, of course, join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The Shrine of Female listeners is there. Dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send in their validated photo or video showing that they are listeners of this program. You can go to shrine.freetalklive.com and see that there. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Uh, we just got off the phone with Mary, and I thought that she had a great little activist project that she'd put together. She was going to pay a fine, $145 fine at the court, so she could get her driving privileges back. And when you're paying a fine, you can sometimes make the payment of the fine into a protest. And this sort of protest sometimes goes better than others. And in her case, it didn't go very well. The uh, police decided to arrest her because uh, they wanted to call her a disorderly person due to the fact that she wanted to pay her fine with $145 bills that had been written on where they had quoted various different liberty-minded thinkers like Bastiat. Uh, He's the guy that wrote The Law back, I think it was the 1800s, 1700s. been a while. And uh, so they didn't like that she turned her fine payment into a protest, and they arrested her for it. But I thought that was a great idea. It sounds like a lot of fun. I would have loved to have uh, been there for it. Uh, I did something similar uh, here in New Hampshire a few years ago where I paid – it was like a $3,000 – Property tax, property tax bill. bill. Yep. I paid all that in $1 bills that had all been stamped with freetalklive.com and freekeen.com. In fact, um, it was really interesting because I got even more out of it than I expected. Because I paid with so many uh, bills, all, all these are ones. I mean, there's a lot of money coming out from uh, the the government. You know, They've got their Brinks truck that shows up uh, every few days and they take bags and bags of cash out of the uh, the government agency. It was a lot of work to stamp those bills, too. It was a lot of work. kind of hurt my wrist doing all that stamping. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that it was later on afterwards, because we made a video out of it. It's online. I'm sure if you search for Ian Freeman property tax bill or something like that, you'll find it. Or look for property tax on freekeen.com. you probably, probably find it there. Uh, but so we made a video out of it. I gave a speech while they were counting the ones. And so it goes differently depending on where you are. In some places, they'll make you count the money for them. Here, they counted it. Uh, and apparently, in some places, they'll arrest you if you if you write on the bill. Some places, they'll just not accept it. Just say, nope. Right. Or sometimes people will try to pay smaller fines with pennies, and they'll bring in yeah. a bunch of pennies, and they'll say, oh, you have to roll those pennies. And so then you, and once you roll them, then they'll tell you, you have to write your name and address on the outside of the rolls in case it's one penny short, we'll call you. And, uh, you know, <laughs> there's all these stupid rules that they have attached to these things because in some places, other folks have done these protests before. The bureaucrats come up with ways to, uh, to try to avoid it. But after I had paid this fine in all dollar bills, it was a few days later that there was a little blurb in the local newspaper about how bills were showing up in uh, store registers all around town with freekeen.com uh, written on them. And Free Talk Live, and uh, just I totally didn't expect to get extra publicity. You got news out of it. It made news just because there were that many bills that entered circulation in a relatively small town. You know, it it went from the Brinks truck to the bank or wherever it is they take that stuff, and uh, from there was put in bank drawers, and from there went back out to the different vendors and such that that, you know doing business in town. Just thought that was neat. Yeah, 
It's a good story. But I wasn't alone when I went and did it. I had friends with me who had two video cameras. And, uh, you know, we, we it was a big production. And we well, can do that stuff here. They're because- also very used to you, I think, by Yeah, now. I think that's what it is. I think that the expectation is is that the, uh, the you know, the folks, the free Keeniacs Kini- mm-hmm. um, have the expectation that the, the Keeniacs will act this way. And so... It's not a really a surprise. It's like, oh boy, here we go again. You know, there's no, there's no <laughs> stopping them. It's not like you're throwing them in jail. They seem to like jail, so right. we're not going to do that for them. <laughs> I, I mean, this is the problem. I believe but my my assumption is with this lady is is that these people believe that this is a you know this is a brush fire popping up and it needs to be stamped out immediately. Mm. These people have a full on inferno in in Keene and that there's no stamping it out. <laughs> it's really not much of an inferno, but we need more. We need more people who From are willing their point to do of view, things. It is. Which is why I'd like to see uh, more folks... of an inferno than elsewhere. Yes. A loving inferno though. Uh, I I uh, want to see more people come here, uh, not just to Keene but also across New Hampshire, and that's why the Free State Project uh, is one of our most important uh, you know things that we talk about here. They're a sponsor of the show, but we were talking about them before they became a sponsor. And the idea is to get people together who are willing to do something, even if it's something simple like uh, like our last caller where she had put, uh, you know, just $145 just went to go pay a fine and kind of make a little protest out of it. Uh, it's important to get the people together who are willing to do that because if you stand apart, they're going to crush you. If you stand together, you've got a chance. So go to freestateproject.org and help us make that stand for freedom because it's not happening anywhere else. Uh, freestateproject.org. Go to porkfest.com, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com. That's the summer festival that the Free State Project throws every year, and it kept, keeps getting bigger every single year. It's going to be happening starting June 18th, so we're, let, we're about 30 days out, I think, at this point. June 18th through the 24th, Free Talk Live will be there broadcasting live. There are going to be actually a bunch of great LRN.FM shows that are going to be there as well. Uh, there's going to be musical performances, family fun events, adult parties like the Big Gay Dance Party, and just so much, so much fun for an entire week. 35 bucks gets you in for the whole week. There's, of course, camping fees as well, but that's not a whole lot of money either. You can go to porkfest.com, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com to learn more and get registered. We will see you there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's go to Ty in Tennessee. Ty, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Julia, and Mark. Good evening, folks. Uh, I just had a a thought that came to me. There's been some really good discussions over the last few days about uh, the Constitution and how, you know, of course, Lysander Spooner's famous uh, quote that it is either allowed the government such as we have or or has been uh, powerless to prevent it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, somebody called in, I I can't remember which day it was, and said, you know, it's it's really a failure of the people not – not keeping people, not keeping the government in line with uh, with the Constitution. That it's their fault. And then the, uh, something just clicked tonight. When you guys were talking about the Glick decision and how the police ignore that. I think that's that failure is the indicates the same problem. You know, there is no enforcement mechanism for the people to enforce the Constitution upon the government. Right. What are you supposed to do? Yeah. There's also no way to enforce the Glick decision against the police because they are the enforcers. I've showed it to them. I've walked into the courthouse here in Keene, New Hampshire, with a with a a, uh, smartphone, pulled up the Glick decision on the phone, and showed it. You know, showed it to these cops. I mean, these these people have been made aware of it. They don't care. Yeah. So there's there's just no way to you know. So it, it, it doesn't really matter. I don't understand why people get so excited when a judge makes the right decision. 
you know, they make so many bad decisions. When they yep. make a good one, it's like, oh, yeah, that saves the day. Well, then nothing happens because you can't – when the decision is against the enforcers, you can't force the enforcers. That's right. I think yeah. Mark also brought the other day about how uh, – the Supreme Court made a decision against Andrew Jackson back when he was president. He said, oh, yeah, just go try to enforce it. Because he realized he was the head enforcer. What are they right. going to do? Arrest you know? the president? So, yeah. That'll be the day. <laughs> it's, just, it's just one of those things, you know, for people that worship the Constitution, there's no way to enforce it. There's no way to really make it do what it's... Right. You can take it. to the streets and protest, but as Alexander Haig said, I think it was in the 80s, uh, that they'll let him protest as long as they keep paying their taxes. Yeah, I don't know if you've got more time. You're welcome to stick with us if you do. Hang on. 855-450-FREE. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. 1-855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. This is Free Talk Live. Toll-free number tonight for you, 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that are waiting for you there. News updates are available to you. You can go and get signed up to follow us via email, Twitter, Facebook, whichever method works best for you. News.freetalklive.com will take you there. That's news. FreeTalkLive.com. Bitcoin's the world's first potentially anonymous digital cash. You can there you don't have any contracts to sign or terms of service you've got to click on in order to use Bitcoins. You can just download this free software and be using it in just a few minutes. With Bitcoins, you can send and receive money anywhere in the world. No fees, no chargebacks. You don't need permission from any bank or corporation or government to do it. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.org. It's a video over there. It's a minute and a half long or so. It's WeUseCoins.org. Now, thanks to BitInstant.com, you can have Bitcoins in less than an hour by depositing cash at any major bank. To buy your Bitcoins with cash, visit BitInstant.com. All right, so we're going to continue here. Ty is still with us listening in Tennessee on the amp lines. Uh, Ty, I presume you hung on because you had more to say, so go ahead with your thoughts. Uh, One final thought uh, regarding the police. You know, the most common excuse the police use when they violate a person is, quote, unquote, safety, public safety, officer safety, etc. And I believe that there will be no positive change, no lasting positive change with the police until a critical mass of people take away that justification for providing safety. You know, when folks actually assume responsibility for their own safety, that's when that lasting change for personal liberty uh, will take place, because it really depends upon people assuming personal responsibility for their safety and debunking the myth of, quote, unquote, public safety. Right. The idea that we need to have these government bureaucrats out there. Otherwise, it's just so dangerous. Uh, In fact, here in New Hampshire, they have what's called the Department of Safety. 
And uh, this Department of Safety is the same agency that's taking people off the roads because they haven't paid a car registration or they haven't, uh, you know, they they haven't paid a, some sort of fee, some sort of road fee. And so therefore, like, for instance, I had a speeding ticket last year that I had sent a peace ticket in for. If you go to ShireSociety.com, there's a tools section and there's a peace ticket there. And the idea is when they give you a ticket, you send them your own ticket back and you try to make peace uh, with them uh, and identify all the crimes they've committed they against you. they want peace you. from you. No, they don't. They don't want peace, and they usually ignore the peace ticket. Yeah. Uh, but in my case, uh, they sent me back. Oh God, what happened? So they, it's been months, but they sent me back this peace ticket, and uh, they they basically sent me a letter with it saying, "Do you want to plead not guilty?" It was a form letter with an uh, like one through five options, and then number six was an option that they'd filled something in on, and it said, "Do you want to plead not guilty?" And it didn't say anywhere on the letter that I had to write back within any, within any period of time. Normally, there's a deadline on these things. It didn't say anything about that. So I just put it aside and forgot about it. And, uh, well, they went ahead. The Department of Safety went ahead and pulled my driving privileges because I hadn't responded to the ticket, which they say that you're supposed to respond to within 30 days. And when I found this out, I went I called the Department of Safety and I, I said, well, wait a minute. I responded to your ticket. It just wasn't in the way that you wanted me to respond. They, you know, normally on these tickets, there's uh, boxes on the back. You either check guilty or check not guilty, and then they schedule a trial for you if you're going to go with not guilty. Well, I didn't check anything. Uh, on the peace ticket, it says that if you want to, you can schedule a trial, and I'll go through that uh, that process with you, and then I won't pay your fine. And then, you know, I kind of t- give them an you know, instance of what's going to happen, an idea of what's going to happen with whatever it is they decide to do. And so the bureaucrats on the phone with me, well, you need to check not guilty or guilty. And I'm like, well, you know, I responded to your ticket. All your ticket says I had to respond within 30 days. And like, well, we can't do anything about it. You're going to have to pay this ticket. It's too late. You've already been suspended. I was actually surprised. I went up the chain to different management levels. I went to like two management levels up. Uh, It's like, well, let me talk to your manager. Let me talk to your manager. I went up and I was trying to get them to to, – to unsuspend me and go ahead and schedule a trial like all right fine you know if you want me to go to trial i'll go to trial but normally you can uh, plead not guilty and then they'll go ahead and unsuspend you but i let them know i I wasn't going to plead that i don't do that sort of thing and so eventually i finally got up to a manager who all the other people had told me oh we can't unsuspend this unless you do xyz and uh, finally i got up to the manager and she did unsuspend me to drive and now that's finally going to go to to a trial uh but first i've got to go to a pre-trial hearing i swear if we could get rid of the department of safety it would be a a huge deal but of course who is going which politician is going to get behind the idea of getting rid of the department of safety (laughs) yeah who could be against safety exactly if you don't want the department of safety then you must be against safety you want everybody to be uh unsafe Right. Well, the truth is, you've just got to assume responsibility for your own safety and those that you love, and then public safety takes care of itself. That is the biggest justification that that the government people, agents from all the different levels of of government, use to uh, violate people. Absolutely. You can hear it from the local boys all the way up to the feds. They always say stuff like, well, it's my job to keep you safe. We're here to protect you. And of course, we all know that's not true as well. We've talked about this, um, you know, where to where you look on uh, the internet and search for no obligation to protect. 
you'll find all kinds of examples of how the government doesn't have to keep you safe. And as Ty was saying, that you know they, they're always citing officer safety. What apparently their goal is is to keep you safe, but to keep their officers safer. More safe. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if you get harmed while they're trying to keep you safe because you might have endangered the safety of one of their officers, well, then no big deal. Ty, thanks for yeah, sharing that. Officer, used to be officer friendly. Now it's officer safety. Thanks for the call. I appreciate hearing from you tonight. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. So it's the Department of Safety that is taking these people off the, the streets when they're driving to work and putting them in jail cells for a year. I've never seen Department of Safety vehicles. The state police are a division of the Department of Safety. So if you've seen state police, you've seen the uh, Department of Safety vehicles. Gotcha. I don't know if they actually have Department of Safety vehicles outside of that. I think it's probably the, just the state police and then a bunch of bureaucrats that work in an office in Concord. That's my guess. Hmm. So there you go. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Since we're talking about traffic-related things, Julia, you've got a story out of Utah involving uh, some creepy cameras. Right. Uh, this is from the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, DEA wants to scan all license plates on Utah's drug corridor. Everyone driving on Interstate 15 in southwest Utah may soon have their license plates scanned by the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration. The DEA and two sheriffs are asking permission to install stationary license plate scanners on the freeway in Beaver and Washington counties. The primary purpose would be to catch and build cases against drug traffickers. But at a Utah legislature meeting Wednesday, the sheriffs and a DEA representative described how the scanners could also possibly catch kidnappers and violent criminals. So they were throwing out that extra. Right, right. Right, like, well, I mean, we want to get some drug dealers, but you could get criminals. And how does that build a case, by the way? How, how does having... If they see you driving? Right. How is that evidence of anything at all? So somebody's gone from Utah to Texas and Texas to Utah a few times. That means they're a drug dealer. That's somehow evidence. Every... Inter- look, okay. So in police speak, when especially when they're talking about drugs, every single interstate is a drug corridor. Mm-hmm. There isn't an interstate that is not a drug corridor. Interstates are drug corridors. Drug corridors are interstates. Plus, there's probably a few others sprinkled around. Any road that they want to pull somebody over on is a drug corridor. And why is the uh, why does the DEA even need their permission in the first place? Aren't interstates federal roads? I, I think that there's I think that there's some state involvement. They're in maintained by the state I because think. I think that I've seen interstate pavement change at state lines. Mm-hmm. So I would assume that there's some kind of state involvement. I think my mm-hmm. guess would be that the state is maintaining the road using federal money, but that's something like you know, that. Shot Sounds in the right. Dark. Uh, that, however, wasn't the concern of skeptical legislatures or legislators on the Law Enforcement and Criminal Justice Committee. They were worried that the DEA storing the data for two years and who would be able to access it. It's not against the law to drive down I-15 from Utah, Nevada to Gamble, says Utah Senate President. But there are a lot of uh, Utahans who would be pretty embarrassed by that. Embarrassed if someone found out they were going they to were gamble? gambling? Yeah. <laughs> 855-453. <laughs> That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. My question is, how many places already have these cameras? We haven't I heard I think about. it says that. We'll come back in moments. Free talk. 
Are you excited about Flaming Freedom's bigger, gayer dance party at this year's Pork Fest? Oh, yeah. Well, you should be. There's going to be hopping dance music and a giant tent full of Liberty lovers getting their gay on. By gay? Do you mean happy? Oh, sure, Claire. Super Gay Dre is bringing his elite team of drag queens led by Violencia. There's going to be raffles for all kinds of prizes, as well as prizes for gayest costume, best drag queen, and best drag king. So get your ticket now for the insanely cheap price of just $5 at flamingfreedom.com slash dance party. Here on Free Talk Live, we've been pretty excited about the Bitcoin. It's a decentralized, free market digital currency. You can learn more about it at weusecoins.com. But if you already have some Bitcoins and you'd like to spend them, you can spend them at spendbitcoins.com. When you spend Bitcoins on Amazon via spendbitcoins.com, Free Talk Live gets a cut. Or if you're an Australian trying to figure out how to buy Bitcoins, you can buy them with cash at au.spendbitcoins.com. Once again, that's spendbitcoins.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 855-453. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com, and all the features we give to you are free. So enjoy those. Once again, freetalklive.com. Here with you tonight, it's Ian. And Julia. And Mark. So uh, we'll, of course, take your calls about anything. That is the point of uh, this radio program. And I uh, also want to tell you about how you can get some really great coffee. Yeah, you can go to coffee.freetalklive.com. We have uh, teamed up with O'Neill Coffee. They provide uh, coffee to all kinds of different uh, companies around the, the, around the nation and around the world. They've got more than 40 different varieties of gourmet and flavored coffees available on their website. When I say gourmet, I mean these are this really is gourmet coffee. This is some of the best coffee I've uh, drank in my life. I've got uh, a bunch on order, and it's it's headed uh, headed my way now. Um, you can get whatever flavor it is that you enjoy, and you can help Free Talk Live in the process to show their commitment to making great coffee and uh, and and freedom. They're offering a free mug and free shipping to, on orders of seventy five dollars or more. You can go uh, support great coffee craftsmanship at coffee.freetalklive.com. Again, it's coffee.freetalklive.com. All right, so uh, we'll continue here. 855-453, the news is out of Utah where they are – the DEA is attempting to get the state to approve the installation of cameras on the interstate, Interstate 15, I think they said it was. Correct. Uh, where they say, this is a drug corridor, so we need cameras to figure out who the drug dealers are or build a case against people we think are drug dealers or something like that. Right. Uh, it says Beaver County Sheriff Cameron Knoll and Washington County Sheriff uh, Corey Pulsifer testified in favor of the scanners. Of course they did. Right. They're getting money from the federal government to enforce the war on drugs. Which operate much like those in the checkout lane of a grocery store. And they said they need legislation. Huh? Which, the scanners at the grocery store? That's how they operate, apparently. I don't know if that's okay. supposed to make them sound less intimidating. I think so, because it sounds absolutely <laughs> ludicrous. Right. Because uh, the scanners at the grocery store don't potentially put you in jail. Well, yeah, and also the scanners in a grocery store are scanning, uh, scanning UPC codes, and it's a completely different kind of uh, yeah. technology. Right. Uh, They're lasers, they too, by the way. Usually you can see the red lasers at the uh, the grocery store. I don't imagine right. they'd be shooting lasers uh, down. <laughs> That'd be cool, kind of cool. Laser light show on the highway. Right. <laughs> Uh, they said they need approval to put the devices on the freeway and on poles and the electric lines belonging to the Utah Department of Transportation. 
One scanner would capture the license plate of vehicles traveling south on I-15, somewhere in Beaver County, and the other would catch northbound plates in Washington County. Gary Newcomb, a supervisory IT specialist from the DEA, flew in from Virginia to testify on Wednesday. He said the scanners are already in place on drug trafficking corridors in California and Texas, and that the DEA is considering placing them near Arizona. Well, you know, clearly, California and Texas... Those are places you just can't get drugs now because they put these scanners up <laughs> and, oh, wait, no, they, you well, can still get drugs. I, like, I don't understand why Utah, I mean, I get what you're saying, like every road is a drug corridor because really it is. There's drugs everywhere. Drugs need to go everywhere. But I like, only mean that that's what they're going to call every road. Right. They want to put anything on. <laughs> right. But but their argument for California and Texas is, well, it's really close to the border. So, I mean, Utah is like in the middle of the country. Look, they want to. They want to be able to. Big brother. Big brother wants as much information as it can possibly get. It's going to say whatever it needs to say in order to get it. I mean, certainly, people are smuggling drugs up and down I fifteen. Is it? Yes. I could use any number. That's two digits. Well, it's and north I, and south too, because it's the odd numbers, right? Whatever. Odd numbers are north and south. Like <laughs> yes. I seventy five north and south. I fifteen yes. north and south. So it it's right. north and south. You know, coming up from you know the south, and that's uh, where a lot of drugs come from. Smuggling them up to. Idaho or wherever. I mean, you know, where, where are. are they going north and south through Utah? They're going north. Of uh, Edmonton? Utah. I mean, where is it going? Nowhere. <laughs> I mean, that's the that's the most nowhere place on North American continent. People that live in the middle of nowhere want to get high, too. Indeed, they do. Probably a little more. I just, There's nothing I, to do. If 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 they were going to put these things down, why haven't they put them in Florida, right. New York? Uh, I mean, they got them in Texas and Florida. If you want to have these things going someplace, you want to put them in, you know, let's start with the most populous states, uh, Illinois, New York, know, Maybe they're Florida. working on it. We just happened to see the story I just Utah. thought it was a maybe. random choice of state, yeah. like with all the other states that they would probably love to put them in. I don't know. My spe- speculation would be that they're attempting to do that. It's just yeah, that you, I think that you can. Right. You happen to see the article out of the, the Utah paper. I, I would say in 10 years, you can have the expectation that these things will be up everywhere. And all they do is they scan your plate so they know how many times you've been up and down the road. Is that the idea? Uh, it says right here, the scanners would only capture the license plate, the GPS coordinates, and the direction of travel. If a DEA or other law enforcement agency has input a license number for a car to be stopped the local police will be notified by a cell phone text message when the plate has crossed the scanner so basically they're they're looking for someone in specific right they'll be able to uh, zero in on you you know i don't think that this is going to be too much i mean drug dealers drug dealers are worth their money aren't going to get caught by this because they're going to now use uh, ship know, it with UPS or something like the, that. whatever they're going to do they're going to uh, you know rent cars and you know do change up they, the plates yep. yeah right they're going to have all I mean, I'm sure they've got throw toss throw away uh, credit cards for situations like that mm-hmm. it's just going to be for the small time uh, guy and you and me yeah, that's yeah. true. You know, a way that might be They're fun going to, to share this information and, oh, this car isn't even supposed to be on the road. This is registered person with a suspended driver's license. If you were uh, really bored and wanted to uh, mess with them a little bit, you could just drive around in a circle for a little while and just keep... Uh... <laughs> You're going to get pulled for that. <laughs> it'd be kind of fun, though. If you had nothing to hide, well, it'd be a little scary. That but... way you show up as like the number one car going back and forth. <laughs>
<laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and then just outfit the car with cameras. You know, get the the uh, the Freedom Cam from freedomcam.net and mm-hmm. have your cell phone camera ready to go. That way, when they pull you over, suspecting you of a uh, drug dealing, uh, you could just troll them. Basically. <laughs> well, they'd probably suspect you of trolling if you're just going around <laughs> in circles. <laughs> right. It's just the time. Right. I, I mean, these cops, yeah. these cops are going to be like, what is going on here? She's the busiest drug dealer in Utah. That's all. Yeah. Now, what if you had to use the highway to get to work? Because they must. Great point. There's plenty of people. I mean, I used to drive up uh, whatever this one is, 91, to go to work every five days a week, back yeah. and forth. Well, it sounds to me like that cell phone thing is the most valuable part of it, to where if they enter a plate they're looking for specifically, right. the camera will notify them of when that person is in the area. They can then respond, uh, you know, they'll de- let the p- cops know and they'll respond quickly and presumably on that. That's probably the yep. most useful part about it. It's this just a them. license plate tracking program and they're going to have it on every interstate all over the United States shortly. I mean, this is, a, right. this is the new terrorist watch program. Don't worry. Don't forget the drug dealers. Oh, yeah, we can use it for everything. I mean, the police officers can't catch every license plate that goes by, but a com- little computer gizmo that can. For long-term investigations, including those tracking people who grow marijuana on public land in Utah, the digital data would be routed through the police dispatch centers uh, to a DEA facility in northern Virginia where it would be stored for two years. The stored data could not only be used or could only be used to research the movements of suspected drug traffickers or to sure. help. Yeah, because well, if this will help you in some case you have, it is not available to you. Or to help other law enforcement agencies investigate other crimes. Oh, okay. So that, there, there you go. The whole <laughs> They're door, honest. The door is all the way open there. Yes, wide open. Kicked, kicked through. And you should be... Uh, feeling good about this because the DEA can monitor who is accessing the data and I'm sure they will make sure that nobody inappropriate is ever accessing. No, never, never happened. Yeah, they won't lose the information. It won't be accessed by uh, Anonymous, which claims to have what uh, the access <laughs> to every uh, United States uh, database out there or really? something like that. Yeah, they said something like that. I've got the story. That's I can pull sweet. it up here. Well, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure that I want Anonymous having uh, access to that, but I don't want the government yeah, having access to Yeah, but usually the Anonymous people don't use their uh, powers for evil. I mean, they usually use it to uh, to send a message to the the powers that be. If Anonymous can get it, anybody can get it, right? Any well, of these groups anybody. can get it. A group, okay, if Anonymous can get it, then any group of high-level hackers that wants to have your information for whatever reason they okay. want to have your information can get it, right? That's true. Okay. Yeah. Yep, right here from BreakTheMatrix.com. Anonymous has access to every classified database in the U.S. government from May the 15th. Mm. It's Commander X. It's atop a hillside in an undisclosed location in Canada, watching a reporter and photographer make their way along a narrow path to join them. Apparently, they made it very difficult for this uh, interview to be taking place. <laughs> but uh, this Dylan guy says it, um, he readily admits taking part in some of the highest profile hacktivist attacks mm. and websites last year, from Tunisia to Orlando, Sony to PayPal. He was arrested in September for a comparatively minor assault on a county website in Santa Cruz, California where he was living but uh i guess the it, it says here that he uh, so it was his claim yeah that's that's the claim interesting 855-453 the sacral cai toll-free line you can bring up anything that you want so we've got another uh, story about a jury and a videographer we were talking about recording the police earlier one jury has decided to convict a videographer in a case regarding Photographing the cops will uh, explain here in a moment. But the judge disagreed with the jury. Interestingly, 855-450-FREE. You can take control of the airwaves. It's Free Talk Live. 
The liberty movement is bursting at the seams with women from all walks of life who are courageously dedicating their time and energy in the pursuit of a freer society. Every day, the message is spread by this small but growing demographic. This year, at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, the creators of Silver Circle will be giving away the first ever Zoe Taylor Award. Zoe Taylor is the lead female rebel in the upcoming animated film Silver Circle, whose dedication to destroying the Federal Reserve makes her a positive female role model. Nominate who you think deserves the Zoe Taylor Award today by sending an email with the name and a 300-word minimum essay of why you think this person deserves the Zoe Taylor Award to award at silvercirclemovie.com. The deadline for nominations is June 1st at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Visit silvercirclemovie.com for more details. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free at 855-450-FREE. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. You can enjoy all the features you'll find there completely free. And you can control the content of the site. So when you find something online you want to share with our listeners and us, you can submit it as show prep, and then others will be able to vote as to whether or not they like or dislike your suggestions. Most voted up, making it to the front page and the top of the website over at freetalklive.com. So head over there and get interactive here with you in the studio tonight. It's Ian. And Julia. And Mark. We started out the show, Mark, uh, you had a piece from Pixic.com, P-I-X-I-Q, and I have one as well. Uh, Carlos Miller is probably the most prolific blogger on the subject of the war on photography. Uh, This idea that the government people are constantly threatening videographers and photographers whenever they see them in public shooting pictures of their buildings or, you know, taking pictures of their uh, their bureaucrats at work, especially the police, and they have a habit of threatening them and or arresting them. And so that's what happened to photojournalist J.C. Playford. According to Pixic.com, he's long been a thorn in the side of San Diego's law enforcement officers over his right to take pictures in public. He's always been the first photographer to offer condolences to cops when fellow officers die in the line of duty. So it's hard to picture him in a bomb scheme, especially a urine bomb. But the cops tell the most elaborate of stories. According to the North County Times, freelance photojournalist James Charles Playford, age 48 of Ramona, didn't immediately comply with San Diego County Sheriff's Detective Brendan Cook's orders after the deputy detained Playford, mistakenly believing the cameraman was using a cell phone in an attempt to detonate a bomb outside of U.S. Representative Daryl Issa's office on December 11th. You're kidding me. The bomb turned out to be a bottle of urine next to a coffee mug. Playford testified he was just trying to call a news agency with which he was working. Playford fidgeted and shrugged as if he were attempting to break free from Cook's hold, prompting the detective to call for more deputies, Cook said during testimony on Wednesday and Thursday. The prosecutor argued that Cook was in fear for his life over the urine bomb, which is why he had the right to detain Playford. But Playford's attorney argued that his client wasn't breaking the law by using his cell phone or recording with a camera. 
you of know, course. So the, the claims here are pretty ludicrous, right? I mean, the, there's there's been all kinds of these uh, throughout the years. The cops urine claim bombs? this thing is well, the, the, no, they're they're not. It's not a urine bomb. It's a bomb, as far as this cops concerned, quote mm-hmm. unquote. I mean, they can call anything a bomb. There sure. was a situation in Orlando where it was a hobby horse in the middle of a cul-de-sac. Um, there was a situation in Boston where there some you know some company put up these kind of uh, a grill marketing light bright machines the moon and nights light bright machines we had zebler on the show once yeah we sure did it was a very uh, popular podcast um we had there was a situation where and i can't remember where this one it might have been massachusetts also where they blew up their own traffic counting box on the side of the road yeah that was boston i mean as this as though the cops don't know what traffic counters look like after years and years i mean these things are out when i was a kid and i mean so basically the police can call anything oh look at that mailbox there could be a bomb in it look right. at that backpack there could be a bomb in it somebody could have whittled out the inside of that park bench and shoved it full of c4 at any point anybody standing around with a cell phone near any other object that has weight and takes up space any piece of matter is now a terrorist you know uh this is you're right and this gives them the excuse though to go a little further than before because it's it's harder for the police to make a case against a videographer taking pictures so therefore if they can claim that they're in fear of their life because they think he might be controlling a bomb that makes it a better case for them at least from their perspective and we'll see what the jury said about it here uh in, in a moment but we've also heard the cops claim that they think cameras can be guns you remember that those yeah. claims like just you know some videographer holding a video camera there the police will sometimes say that they believe that there could be a gun inside the housing of the camera i mean it's wow. the most paranoid crazy nonsense i mean it's, they've watched too many james bond movies or something like that <laughs> There could be a camera mounted inside the housing of these things, but you made a gun as, as though them. right, a, a gun mounted inside the housing of the camera, as though somebody's going to use the single shot they get on it on their sorry butt. The jury unfortunately sided with the cop and God. convicted Playford for obstruction of justice. Uh, according to the story, the judge ha- had no choice but to go with that, but expressed he didn't agree with the verdict. Jurors reached the guilty verdict after about an hour of deliberation. Afterward, Vista Superior Court Judge Richard Mills said he didn't see how the ev- evidence supported the police obstruction conviction. Mills sentenced Playford to time served, issued no fines, and did not place him on probation. Playford will have to pay about $300 in attorney's fees, according to the He judge. has to pay the attorney's fees. And, and this is why I just don't support the jury system. Well, uh, he had an attorney, so I think that's why. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. He had, yeah, he had an attorney. He definitely okay. had an attorney. For 300 bucks is what he's got to pay for his it's, attorney? It's probably a state attorney. Okay. So they give you a discount. And, and this is why I just don't support the jury system. As far as I'm concerned, at this point, it is too far gone. Whatever right. kind of brainwashing occurs in a totalitarian state, it has gone too far, and the jury system is no longer any kind of check or balance against anything. Uh, when people take, uh, when people are charged in this country, fewer than one percent of them are taken to trial that leads me to believe that the vast majority of people going to trial probably believe that they're innocent because i mean right 99 the other 99 percent either had their charges dropped Mm -hmm. or they pled out 
So one would assume that the the pleading operation, of course, it gets some innocent people in the process because they're too scared and too poor or too whatever right. to take it to trial. They just want it to be over. But you know, you'd think that it would catch the vast majority of guilty people. So therefore, the people that are willing to take it to trial. And know that I mean a guilty person who knows that they're guilty takes it to trial knows they're going to get a larger sentence. That means to me that largely innocent people will take it to trial, but juries find more than it's more than sixty percent, about two thirds of the time they find for the state. So that means, I mean, really, that's what the claim we're making here is, is that our police are so good that they make mistakes about one third of a percent of the time. That's the claim. I mean, what kind of crazy authoritarian statist is going to claim that cops only make a mistake one third of a percent of the time? Apparently the people on juries. Well, they don't even they don't even know or, or care. I mean, <laughs> they just want to convict. the. I mean, I think they just want to get out of there personally. That's what I think mostly well, they, comes the, with juries. The screening process to get on a jury is is pretty. I mean, they really try to weed out anyone who has any sort of real political opinions, don't oh, yeah. they? No independent thinkers allowed on juries. Indeed, that's the case. And I so, think right, that, the whole deck is stacked. You know, there's there's certainly the the Milgram experiments that show that people tend to defer to authority, mm-hmm. and that goes on. And people want to get out of there. As far as I'm concerned, and a they jury defer should, to a group thing. Should have to come back for sentencing. Because then what you would find is that you're no longer are they incentivized to find them guilty so they can get out of there, get home, and watch their soap operas. Then they would have to come back for the sentencing. Look, if you put if, if like if you've got enough of a stake in the situation, you believe this person is guilty, then you shouldn't have a problem with coming back one more day a month in the future for sentencing. I mean, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. I'm actually encoding uh, one of the things I was doing today. I was working on Kate's trial. Kate uh, Ager is a uh, New Hampshire native. Uh, she's really a great activist and a bright young lady. She uh, was 17 at the time of her arrest outside of the Manchester Police Department. This was when we were talking, I think it was last year, we were telling you about the chalking eight arrests. There were mm-hmm. eight people that were arrested. Some folks were chalking on the walls of the police department. And other people like Kate, uh, she showed up. After all the chalking was was uh, completed, she showed up after the first arrest had been made because she was in the area at the time, had heard via her cell phone that there was some – her friend had been arrested. And uh, so that's why she showed up on the scene. She wasn't even there to do the chalking. She was standing on the corner uh, of the – right outside the police department and she was apparently standing on some of the chalkings, which was on the ground, of course, because she was standing on it. And the police came by with a huge group of cops, like probably eight cops came and surrounded her. And one of the cops told her – asked actually asked her, not told her, asked her to please step off of – can you please step off of the, the – that where you are, basically. And uh, so he did not give her an order. He asked her a question. And within seconds after that, because she was bewildered by this, why did she have to? Why does she have to move? She's just here on the sidewalk. What's the big deal? He didn't bother explaining anything to her. It was like within seconds, she was under arrest and charged with. Uh, ended up being charged with resisting arrest and another disorderly conduct charge as well. I'll tell you what happened to her here in a moment. Eight five five four fifty three. Free talk. Bardo Fest is a camping gathering at Bardo Farm, an off-the-grid, eco-friendly farm in Croydon, New Hampshire. Attendees will enjoy live music performances, sustainability workshops, comedy, firearms education, terrific farm-raised food, vendors, and camping under the stars. Treat yourself and relax at Bardo Fest, May 25th through the 28th. 
A full festival pass, including camping, is just $50. Go to bardoproject.com. B-A-R-D-O project.com. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up what you want. Toll free at 855-453. The SACL CAI toll free line. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features completely free. Once again, freetalklive.com is where you can go and you can access great stuff like our uh, mobile site, m.freetalklive.com. We'll take you right to quick links for all of our streams, the broadband stream, the mid-band and uh, narrow-band streams. All they're available free to you over at m, as in mobile, .freetalklive.com. Plus, we'll link you to the software that you need to listen to those streams for your various different uh, phone types that are out there. Everything from iPhone to Android to Windows phones. Anybody have a Windows phone? I've never even seen one. I don't know. I always laugh about that, actually, because I don't know why you would get one over an Android. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. Uh, and I know Bradley Jardis, who uh, I'm not sure when Brad's going to rejoin us here, because Mark, you're now back on Monday nights. But we'll we'll hear from him again. He just finally moved out uh, from BlackBerry into Android, and he was like, "I don't know why I waited so long," because it's a huge, <laughs> huge step in the uh, in a very positive direction. So, whatever your operating system, I was a Palm guy for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't going to let go the, uh, the the first and best smartphones out who had been Palms, and I wasn't going to, you know, I had had a six hundred and then a seven hundred uh-huh. series, and then the eight hundred series, and then I had the the the, the, the <laughs> I can't remember what they all were, but um, the last one they made was Pre, and these things, I, they, you know, just flopping uh, all over the place. So I I moved to Android. Frankly, I don't really like touchscreens very much, mm-hmm. but you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to like it or not, but I actually do. I like the uh, the swipe, which is a really fancy keyboard where you don't ever have to pick your finger up from it except when you're done with a word. I think that's pretty cool. Well, I, like I feel a little jilted. I'm not willing to get rid of my smartphone because it does so many things that I like, but it takes me nine button pushes or something like that to dial a telephone number. It's annoying like that. And, that's true. Uh, you know, I, I just remember the good old days when They're I had less a fl- of a phone. A flip phone was clipped to my hip. I'd pull it out. I'd flip it over like a like Captain Kirk, yep. and I'd push a button and hold it. It w- I wouldn't have to look because the buttons you had knew little which button it was, d- yeah. dimples on it. I knew yeah. which one it was. I'd just push a button, hold it, and I'd be dialing your wife within moments. Yeah. yeah, I didn't have a wife at the time, but yeah. So anyway, you can go and get tuned in online by going to m, as in mobile, dot freetalklive.com. We're talking about the arrest of uh, Kate Ager, who is one of the uh, the local activists here in the Keene area. She's uh, born in, uh, in Keene. And has lived here her whole life. Uh, she got active with the Liberty Movement through the 420 celebrations, actually, that happened uh, a couple of years ago that were big news uh, here in Keene and actually made international headlines over CannabisCulture.com. She's really turned into uh, quite the uh, the well-rounded uh, Liberty activist young lady, and uh, she's really principled and really smart. Uh, she ended up at the uh, Chalking 8, uh, the Chalking protest that went on in Manchester, showed up a little bit late because she only came because someone was getting arrested. So after the first arrest, had already happened is when Kate arrived on the scene uh, just to see what was going on with her friends. So she's standing on a sidewalk corner with her cell phone out recording video of all these cops. I mean, they literally brought in the entire Manchester Police Department. I mean, it looked like it at least. At least everyone who was on duty at that time was at the police department to arrest people who were chalking. For graffiti. 
Right. I mean, the people of Manchester were basically left completely exposed. If we are to believe the story that the, the you know the police are keeping us safe, the people of the of Manchester were completely exposed because all their police were after some folks that were, you know, using chalk on sidewalks, a government sidewalk. Right. And it's ludicrous. Uh, now, there were some people that were chalking on the building, uh, and one could claim that that's somehow bad or whatever. But for, to me, it's still chalk and it's government property. I don't know that it's a public safety issue. Right. It's, I mean, it's government annoying. Property. I'll give you that. You certainly don't need to bring out the entire police department for this, uh, but that's basically what they did. So she's just standing on the corner recording video of these just swarms of cops everywhere. Uh, so the video is silent. If you search over at freekeen.com, search for Kate Arrested, it's the first uh, article that comes up. And the video is silent for about a minute. 15 where she's just kind of panning around getting a view of what these cops are doing and then eventually the cops kind of start circling around her and they if don't you, like cameras much if you uh if you you know if you go through the video a few times you can kind of get a count of how many there were there were approximately eight to ten cops uh, right on this street corner right next to where kate was standing and i'm going to just play the audio here of uh, what it is that the sergeant in this case patty says to her That was a question, wasn't it? Excuse me? Can you get off the chalk, please? That's actually a a fairly nice request to say please to someone. Excuse me? Can you get off the chalk, please? Okay. Well, she's a little bewildered by this. Off the chalk? Yeah, it's evidence evidence of a crime. I'm standing on the sidewalk. I know. I'm I'm asking you to leave because it's evidence of a crime. How is how is writing? Listen, this is your last chance. I'm just no. I'm I'm just. You don't need to ask me. I'm telling you. I have a question. I I don't have time for that. He doesn't have time to answer one question. But yet, prior to this interaction, there's cops just milling about. They're just milling. Seconds count in chalking crimes. Right. He doesn't have time. Look, citizen, we don't have time for your questions. We have asked you, asked you to get off the chalk. I mean, he didn't even give her an order. At some point say telling um, in there shortly after. Well, he he did, uh, you know, make a change on how he was coming, uh, approaching her with this. That's true, but uh, he used the term "telling" at, at some point. Here we go. I have a question. I, I don't have how time it, for that. How I'm is writing off order to leave because we have to take pictures of this? If how is move, how is writing on the sidewalk? Get off of me! Literally, with within two seconds of him telling her, "I'm giving you an all an, a lawful order to leave," uh, blah blah blah, child is, sidewalk, right? Two seconds later, or yeah, if you don't want to leave, then we're going to have to arrest you. He gives her two seconds, and she's still trying to ask the the question, which is the mode she's been in ever since she's been, you know, made the request of in the first place. I don't think this took ten seconds from, excuse me, can you get off the chalk? It's about about 25 seconds. 25 seconds, okay. 25 seconds. Before he grabs her and arrests her. Wow. I mean that's it's pretty quick, right? Like there's not a not a lot of time. You, this might make sense if you're talking about a bank robbery, clearing the sidewalk, or something like that. You're talking about chalk, right? As though th- they need to get pictures is the is the excuse, right? There's so lots there's, of things to take pictures of. There's police photographer there. He's if they ignored take her, pictures. she would have wandered off. Absolutely true. Or if they just simply answered her question like reasonable people might do uh, and then, you know, convinced her to move off. They wanted to arrest her. They'd already made seven arrests. Go ahead and make an eighth or, you know, six or seven at that point. So let's just arrest as many liberty activists as we possibly can. So this is the incident that went to court uh, the other day. And uh, a number of us uh, from Keene came out there. There's also some folks from Manchester uh, that came out. We did some jury outreach prior to the court 
session beginning. So everybody that was coming into the courtroom or coming into the building was was offered a flyer. And yeah, they, were, they were actually a little cold to the flyers. Normally in, in Keene, we have more success uh, with handing people flyers. One of the guys suggested it might have been because we had signs as well. So we kind of had signs and flyers and maybe the signs were turning people off. But either way, some jurors got the flyers, some didn't. Of course, we're doing jury, jury nullification outreach, which encourages jurors to vote their conscience rather than just voting whatever the law is, to vote how they feel about the law, whether or not it should even apply in this case, for instance. Uh, you can go to FIJA.org, F-I-J-A, as in Fully Informed Jury Association, <laughs> FIJA.org, to learn more about jury nullification. So we do jury outreach, and then the jury is chosen, and then the, the trial begins. We've got full video coverage of the entire trial. It'll be up later at freekeen.com, so look for that. Uh, but it was a jury trial, and so I wanted to talk about you know what her experience was with this jury trial. We'll get that. I get to that here in a moment. Eight five five four fifty free. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. You can take control of the airwaves. So basically, Kate was uh, was arrested for asking a question. She was arrested for not being compliant as fast as the police wanted her to. Eight five five four fifty free. You must obey and obey immediately. Free talk live. Do you have a website or product that you make available to people nationally or even internationally? Free Talk Live is heard on more than 100 radio stations and 2XM channels. FTL has also been voted five times the best political podcast of the year and four times been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list, the 100 most important radio programs in the country. We can do ad packages for you from as little as $500 a month on up to $3,000. I'll work with you to customize a package that will work within your budget. Contact me, Mark, at mark at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free and bring up anything you want, 855-450-FREE. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And Mark, what is SACL CAI? SACL CAI is a company that handles accounts receivable. You, If you started a business with the hopes of doing whatever it is your business is supposed to do and you've been bogged down by accounts receivable and collections or whatever it might be, SACL CAI can can handle it for you. Do they, they do collections, they do early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. Uh, their employees are handled are trained in handling your customers with respect. They know that not only do you want to keep your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. It's SACL CAI. You can check out their banner at freetalklive.com. It's the top one on the right-hand side of the page, SACL CAI. All right, so uh, we're continuing here with a recap of what happened last Monday. It was uh, Kate's trial. Kate's one of the bloggers at uh, freekeen.com. She's also one of the hosts of ladiesinkeen.com, or the Ladies in Keen radio show, which you can find at ladiesinkeen.com. And so she's a great activist, a really smart young lady who I'm, I'm glad to be, to be friends with. Uh, she was arrested for standing on the corner uh, at a police department location in Manchester. She was standing for too long in one spot, and the police did not like that she was asking a question when they asked her to remove herself from the position from which she was standing. Uh, she was standing on some chalking on the ground, and she just wanted to ask a question about why they were asking her to move. They didn't want to answer her question. They wanted her to just do what they were telling her. And then within seconds of them asking her to move, they had put her under arrest, charged her with disorderly conduct and also resisting arrest. She was convicted of disorderly conduct at a bench trial and convicted of resisting at the bench trial. But the disorderly was a class, I believe, a class B or a violation, uh, while the uh, the resisting was a misdemeanor class A. So she could, in New Hampshire, if you've got a class A, you can take a uh, no, de novo trial and start from the beginning and have a jury. So she couldn't have the jury on the disorderly conduct 
but she could have it on the resisting arrest. So she went ahead and appealed the resisting charge and took that to the jury. A number of us came out to support her on this uh, particular day. I was there videoing it. There's a full video that will be posted later at freekeen.com of the entire trial. And it was yet another example of where you had a, a jury full of people. A few of them had taken the jury nullification information from us prior to entering uh, the, the trial. And so you had a jury full of people with a relatively a friendly defendant. You know, this is not a thug. This is not someone who appears to be dangerous. She's a pretty, pretty little redhead girl. Right. She's 18 years old now, was 17 at the time this, uh, this went down. And she had some good points that uh, that she made during the trial. I think she made a, a a decent case for herself that you know she was just trying to ask a question. She wasn't attempting to obstruct their pho- uh, photographing. I mean, it wasn't like it was going to rain uh, in a half a second, and the police needed at that in- instant in time uh, to get the picture. The police, of course, were you know trying to make her look like a recalcitrant. And and true, during the arrest, she did go limp during the arrest and ended up being kind of lifted up. But once she was lifted up, she walked with the police. The police claimed that she she uh, she didn't walk with them all the way into the police station. She showed the video that shows her walking into the police station. So the police, I thought, looked pretty. Uh, questionable i think that the jury's stuck in this quandary if we allow this little 18 year old girl to take 25 seconds to to do what the police tell us to do tell the tell her to do and then you know act like a recalcitrant it'll be anarchy Mm. like really because then anybody can do anything they want and they don't have to listen to a police officer for anything i think is what it boils down to i think the police actually made that point uh during during their testimony it's exactly what they you know that's exactly what they're counting on we don't have time for all these questions and so the jury came back and even though kate like during my trial i felt like there were a couple people with which i i was connecting like i had good eye contact with them they seemed i don't know they seemed friendly from their eye contact but they came back with a guilty for me, and they came back with a guilty for uh, Kate. How now, long did they deliberate with her? About forty-five minutes. Yeah. And short ones usually don't seem to don't seem to be not guilty. There me. was a call back uh, into the courtroom at one point where the jury wanted to re-examine the video footage. So they were given a laptop with the video footage on it. Uh, so they, that was the only Somebody question. Somebody asked some question somewhere. Yeah, that was the only question they had. Uh, so they basically were, were viewing the video over again to try to determine whether or not they thought Kate had resisted arrest. And of course the definition of resisting arrest is you doing anything at all that could possibly hinder the police from having you do what they want you to. So if you're being arrested and you don't put your hands behind your back, they have to put your hands behind your back, that could be considered resisting arrest. If you drop limp, uh, that's considered resisting arrest, even though technically you're not actually resisting. If you think about it, in order to resist, you must tense oneself, right? I mean, resistance is an, is an action. Resistance right. is, is something you're doing. Right. Being limp is not – that's inaction. By definition, in order to be limp, you have to not be active. You right. have to resistance be completely limp. Resistance is non-assistance. Yeah, exactly. That's what the charge actually should be called, is, uh, is not assisting the police in your own kidnapping. And so they came back with a guilty finding, even though Kate mentioned during the trial, which you're not supposed to be allowed to mention these things, and the prosecutor objected to it, uh, but you can still get it out there, and then there's no real taking it back. She mentioned that she was facing a year in jail over this. I mean, if she's found guilty, that judge could send her to jail for a year. That's a possibility. Cr- crazy. It's a misdemeanor charge. Anytime you get a misdemeanor charge, it's up to a year, at least here in New Hampshire. I think it's like that pretty much everywhere. And I think it's sick that the jury is supposed to make some kind of uh, ruling without knowing what the punishment for the crime is. Or ever even finding out. I mean, it's crazy. It's, It's crazy and weird. 
So they come back with their guilty verdict, and it's like, oh, my God. I thought for sure Kate's case would have been, like, the one because she's just such a, a friendly defendant. I mean, there's there's no way that you can impugn this uh, this young lady. Uh, but no, she got found guilty, and, and that's that. So far, you know, you were talking earlier, Mark, about juries, and that's what led to this whole conversation, how just sad they are. I mean, you had this jury convict a photographer out in uh, California of, uh, oh God, I forget what the, the charge was, but uh, obstructing is what it was, for taking pictures. Uh, because some cop claimed that he was afraid the cell phone was going to blow something up. You also had a uh, jury convict uh, listeners of the show, the Bartholomew Brothers, for holding a sign out on the side of the road and then recording the police when the cops came up to uh, to talk to him. And I mean, just these statements from the jury, and we didn't get to talk to the jury afterward because they snuck him out. They pulled a kind of a sneaky trick. Uh, the judge left during sentencing to take a recess, and he made it sound like he was going back to deliberate because he was looking very pensive. He would sit. He was sitting up there during the uh, the sentencing portion of the hearing, and he was like paging through his uh, law books and just kind of sitting there looking down, paging through the books. Then he, he gets up and he says, I'm going to take a, re- a recess to uh, to research this. He gets up and leaves. Well, it was during that 15-minute period he went back and talked to the jury and cut them loose. So we, we should have had somebody outside the courthouse at, before that, but we didn't, so we dropped that ball. But uh, the, it's always interesting to talk to these jurors afterwards and, and see what they had to say. What, why did you do this? I mean, what were you thinking? <laughs> just, just to get their perspective. You haven't only on it. been able to do that once, right? In New Hampshire, we've been able to do it once. Uh, we were also able to do it with the uh, Damo and Pete case down in Massachusetts. Of course, in that case, uh, people are going to be happy to talk to you if they found not guilty. That's what happened with the Damo uh, in, in the Damo and Pete case. Right. So, I mean, when they found when everybody and every one of them has to find you guilty, found has voted not guilty. Who wants to talk to you people? It's obvious you're there to support the defendant. I mean, why do I why in the world if I just found somebody uh, guilty, why would I want to talk to the friends about why I did that? Well, we did get the one guy uh, to do a juror. Jim tells all is what you can look for on freekeen.com if you'd like to uh, to see what one juror had to say. But it's just it's just so sad because they are so obedient and they are uh, they just do whatever it is the state tells them to do. And the jury instructions, of course, are written in a certain way to obscure uh, the truth about you know jury nullification and to give them the idea that uh, well, if the state you know has proven its case, then you must find the, this person guilty. And the cops basically suggested that because she gave a little bit of resistance in the idea of that she went limp, that therefore she should be convicted of resisting arrest, even though all she was ever doing in the first place was just standing on the corner recording video and she asked a question. That's all she was doing. I mean, you would think somebody who gave a damn about another human being would look at that and be and just well, yeah. What was wrong with her going limp? I would have gone limp, too. I mean, this was an outrageous arrest from the get-go. And how anyone can't see that? It's just so sad. I don't know what to tell you, man. I I was trying to think about my mindset before I was a liberty person and how I would have felt about this if I just saw it. And I definitely would have thought it was ridiculous back then. What the police were doing was ridiculous. Yes. 855-450-FREE. But if you thought it was ridiculous when they give you jury instructions that say you must convict if blah, 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 I wonder if that would have changed your perspective. More coming back because then it's coming from authority and it sounds, uh, well, more important. You can take control in the remaining moments of Free Talk Live, which are next at 855-450-FREE. 
On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Franks, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything you want. Even in these remaining moments, there's enough time for you and your thoughts. 855-453. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features on the site, totally free. So head on over to freetalklive.com. Get interactive there. Uh, you can enjoy stuff like the listening options, which include live streams in three different uh, bit rates. We've got the radio listening choices, including over 100 AM and FM stations that air the show at various different times throughout the week. Our satellite listening choices include XM Satellite Radio, where you can hear us seven nights a week. The uh, Also, the KU Band free-to-air channel is also available. The webcam and the listen lines that allow you to call from any phone that can dial long distance. Listen that way. Go to listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. So we go to Loring listening in florida you're on free talk live in the amp lines hey loring hey guys uh, there was uh some discussion the other night about immigration and uh, a guy named bear called in and he was ranting and raving about the constitution and how you shouldn't change it and so on and so forth and the question i would pose to people who are of his mindset uh, is this where does the constitution authorize the federal government to create or enforce immigration law it does not. It, it really doesn't. But I mean, there's a this is argument that has to do with migration, which really is about uh, importation of slave importing of slaves. I I find it confusing, but you know it, it it has migration in it, and so does immigration. So I find I think people can find it confusing. Sure. Yeah. But I think a lot of I mean, even people like Bear wouldn't try and misinterpret the the slave trade clause to be. Uh, you know, something that authorizes or, or authorizes the government to, you know, create immigration law. I mean, maybe you would. I don't know. Well, I mean, the Constitution doesn't authorize the government to regulate drug use either, but they do that anyway. Yeah, but Bear was of the mindset that, you know, the government should follow the Constitution. So, I mean, if you hold that position, then logically you can't uh, advocate the federal government, uh, create or enforce any immigration law whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, the, the first laws weren't until the 1880s. Indeed. Um, I, I wish you guys would have called him out on that, but I know he was uh, being loud and, and shouting and ranting. It was kind of hard to talk to him, but that's all I had, guys. Very good. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks, Lauren. Appreciate hearing me. Hey, you going right, to Porkfest? Lauren. I am. All right. See you there, I, man. Yeah, you bet I am. All right, man. All right. See you. See you. 855-453, SACL CAI toll-free line. Yeah, you know, I mean, they, that migration clause versus immigration, I it's it's a debate I don't generally like to have whether or not the federal government has the right to you know enforce immigration i mean well right because even if they had written it in there would 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 that all of a sudden make it okay no it would not yeah because people should be free to uh, cross imaginary lines as long as somebody on the other side of that line wants them to be there and uh, you know if if i want to rent to immigrants if i want to hire immigrants i should be able to do that and all the problems that have to do with immigration in this country really Really, the big problems that have to do with immigration in this country are about the government giving away free stuff to freeloaders. And 
frankly, when you do the math, it still doesn't matter that America still comes out better for having immigrate, um, you know, illegal immigrants in this country, even when you consider the freeloaders. But, hey, I understand why people don't want to pay for freeloaders coming to this country. I got it. I don't see any reason why they should. Uh, you know, if you want to make it easy, make it easy for people to come here. You want them tracked? Let them go through and get a work visa. Let anybody who wants to come here get a work visa. That work visa will give them a social security number. They can file their taxes. They can pay their taxes like everybody else does. They'll be ineligible for whatever government bennies that are out there that yeah, they shouldn't be in. They shouldn't be eligible for How? whatever. They're not here for the government binnies. The vast majority of them are. They just want to work. That's what I was going to ask. How many illegal immigrants actually get government benefits like that? Because it seems like it'd be really hard to get government benefits without a social security number and a birth certificate or. It, it, well, right, I, a lot of them actually pay in because they get a uh, like a social security number of somebody who's dead or whatever. One, yeah. yeah, they get a fake number, so they're actually paying those taxes. Sure, but you cases. can't talk to you can't talk to the anti-immigration folks in that way. Right. They just don't want to hear it. Um, as I understand it, the mothers, uh, you know, the, the WIC program and the uh, the programs for you know young mothers and stuff like that, they're not supposed to ask where you're from. Um, so, well, plus some of them will also uh, complain just because they're going to school, like sending their kids to a government school. Yeah. And, and, and you know, this technically I mean, is welfare, but uh, it certainly is. It's middle class welfare, frankly. But, but how many of those people complaining about it are also sending their kids to that right. same government school? Right. And My those kid doesn't are, go to your school. Then why in the world do I have to pay for it? And again, the problem, the solution to the problem, of course, is to get rid of these problem, these uh, these welfare problems, uh, is to get rid of the government schools. Right. The United States doesn't have an immigration problem. It has a welfare problem. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, there's a neat story. We're not going to have time for it tonight, but it's in my show prep. And, uh, by the way, if it's right and just to force people to pay for schools uh, that your kid goes to, by the way, the f- federal money federal money goes to these schools, too, then it's right and just to pay for these schools all over the world. I mean, if it's right and just to make the U.S. taxpayer pay for schools in the United States, then it's right and just to make them make them pay outside of the United States, too. I mean... Well, no, Mark, sovereign nation. We're sovereign nation. What, what the hell does that mean? They're borders. Borders. <laughs> but, but why should I have to pay for your kid inside of our borders? I'm talking about what's right and just. If the people inside the borders are as good as the people outside the borders, then we should have to pay for their schooling, too. Well, you're just a globalist. You're trying to make <laughs> right. one world government. You know, it's because it's a ludicrous scenario in the first place. Well, that's our system. You don't like it, you can leave. <laughs> right. Well... I'm just saying your system doesn't make any sense. Well, actually, if you don't like it, you probably can't leave in some cases. Mark, you can't go to Canada. That's true. <laughs> uh, you know, and the United States government wants you to do all kinds of registering and paying fees and taxes when you leave mm-hmm. now. So it's not like you're free to leave. <laughs> I mean, now you got to buy your way out just like they did in Roman slavery time. I mean, Julius Caesar was a slave. He bought himself out of slavery. Now, let's say you're poor. And uh, you want to leave, right? So there's these taxes, and of course you got to buy that plane ticket, or somehow you're going to have to pay to get off of this prison colony. Uh, and of course, then you're only going to end up going to another prison colony called some other, you know, plot of land uh, in another place where a different set of masters will set a di- slightly different set of rules for you. So why you'd want to leave anyway? Uh, maybe there is a better prison colony, but that's up, up for discussion. So let's say you're poor and you decide you want to have a yard sale to uh, to help raise the money because you know you're poor. You don't have a whole lot. You got the stuff that's in your house, and you know maybe if you were to be able to sell the stuff in your house, you'd be able to raise the money for the boat, the boat ticket or plane ticket or whatever to get to get you out of here. Well, in the case of uh, 9 and 10 newscom 
According to this is northern Michigan, Idlewild, police say a standoff has ended. 13-hour standoff. Crews on the scene say a tank was brought to the man's home. The tank shot a hole in a back window and sprayed gas into the home, which forced the homeowner outside. What so, does this have to do with the yard sale? Sounds like a bear cat. Just hold on. Once outside, police used a taser on the man and arrested him. The standoff lasted 13 hours, and crews on the scene say it started when a zoning official came to talk with the man about a permanent yard sale that he had going on in his yard. When the zoning official was leaving, they say the man began firing shots into the air we'll have the very <laughs> sounds it's hard reasonable. to defend the guy who's firing shots in the air by the way he just wanted to have a yard sale i know Why couldn't man, they leave him alone <laughs> the homeowner uh... if he wasn't well you know the, the argument that'll be had in this area is look if this guy didn't go crazy on this government official he was going to go crazy on somebody because this is a crazy guy He's just trying to have a yard sale, man. That's not crazy. Now, maybe it was lasting a little longer than the average yard sale. They say it was a permanent yard sale. That reminds me of the Trailer Park Boys. Oh, There's which, an which episode part? in the Trailer Park Boys where they just use an empty lot and just steal people's junk and put it on and sell it all day long. I love that show. Me too. I think it's one of the best TV shows ever. I remember when I started watching Trailer Park Boys, one of the... A few times when I actually just sat and watched them all. I just watched It through. is funny. I've seen it like three or four times You've all the way You've seen the through. entire seven yeah. or eight seasons Oh, yeah. I think it's like the funniest show wow. on TV. Have you seen or, this yet, Mark? No, I have no it's idea. A, it's actually a Canadian uh, TV show. It's uh, filmed as a reality show, but it's not actually a reality show. <laughs> you okay. will think, laugh out loud by yourself. I think there's a fair amount. That's true. I think there's a fair amount of improvisation that goes on, but there's also it's also scripted. And uh, I mean, it's it's life in a trailer park, uh, at least their vision of uh, of life in a trailer park. And having known a few people that have lived in a trailer park, I would say that might be true. It may be somewhat close to home uh, for that. It is one of the it's funniest at least shows. It is hilarious. The characters are great. Uh, they're just the the two main characters in the shows are basically thugs. I mean, they they go around stealing from people and and doing minor crimes and uh, like. You know, they're also growing pot as many as many places they possibly can. And one of my favorite, there's so there's so many little jokes that are great in the yeah. show. Like uh, Julian, who's one of the main main characters, always has a drink in his hand. There's all he always has a mixed drink, and he'll <laughs> you know he'll be like driving, has a mixed drink in his hand, gets out of the car, still has the drink in his hand. He'll get into a fight with the drink in his hand, and like and he'll amazingly not spill a drip of the the drink at any point. I, I some point or another have heard this part of the joke. Yeah, yeah. So highly recommend that. Um, so the guy had a, a yard sale. What's the big deal? Let him have his yard sale. What happened to property rights? I know, Mark, you're going to say this is trashy if you're going to have a permanent <laughs> permanent yard well, sale. I, I, you know, I think that you should be able to have a permanent yard sale if that's what you want. Right. Shouldn't you be able to run a home-based business on your uh, your property? That's, that's essentially what he was doing. Yep, yeah, indeed he is. So there you go. Out of time for tonight. See you tomorrow night. Online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. All right. It's another edition of the Edgington Post show here on Free Talk Live. And uh, of course, it's, it's Mark Edge with you. And I've got on, on with me uh, Davi. Davi, uh, from the Daily Anarchist, are you there? I'm here, yeah. Now, you go colloquially by the uh, Muslim agorist, is that the term you use? 
Yeah, that's right. That's my email address and my handle in a lot of places. So yeah, people know me as that. And um, so you, you don't you don't hide your last name Barker. It seems to be here on the article. Yeah, no, I don't. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> Didn't want to go put it out there if that's uh, wasn't the right thing to do. So um, you've got an article out that I thought was pretty interesting, and it, it's in it. You're talking about activism for profit, essentially, and uh, you know here on Free Talk Live, we've had some level of success with that being sort of one of the first sort of real libertarian radio programs out there um, and, you know, managing to make it work as a, as a business. And I just, you know, not everybody's going to see this over at the, where is it? Dailyanarchist.com. And I just wanted yeah. you to uh, share some of the ideas in it. Uh, well, I guess the reason that it came up for me is that I'm sort of, my form of, one of the forms of activism I'm into is agorism which means uh, sort of trying to unplug myself from the wage labor market or whatever and the tax structure and sort of engage in sort of uh, private commerce with private people privately. And um, part of what that means is figuring out how to sustain myself on these various sort of entrepreneurial projects. Mm -hmm. Like I do freelance graphic design, I sell art, I write, I do all these things. And... What I'm sort of realizing is, to do that, it's really of concern to me that the people I'm working with are sustainable. Because right now, like, my full-time job, I I work for a company that has nothing to do with liberty, but the company's probably not going anywhere. But, like, my primary income as far as, like, agorist or liberty income is concerned is Silver Circle. And... If the movie Silver Circle doesn't do well, then the sequel doesn't happen, and so it's not like I can depend on that income the way that I can a regular nine-to-five job. Yeah, and I'm uh, c- certainly I'm hoping that Silver Circle does well, but one never knows. Well, yeah, but we all are. And, you know, I think it's awesome, and I think it does well, and if I were a central planner in the marketplace, I would <laughs> dictate that it did well, but I'm sure. not, so... Uh, you know, the question came up for me of, are Liberty Projects sustainable? And to be sustainable, they have to be profitable, or they have to be running on um, enthusiasm, which is not necessarily sustainable. No, it doesn't it sound is, sustainable. For a little while. <laughs> yeah, enthusiasm uh, doesn't I, sound particularly sustainable. <laughs> but that is what most of them are running on now, is my point. Right. Um is uh, people are very enthusiastic about liberty. You have a lot of people who have come into the liberty movement in the last four years, and they're all anxious to get motivated and get activated and do something. And so that enthusiasm, in my opinion, is a bubble. And if it is a bubble, then it's going to burst, and then we're going to have a sort of downturn in the amount of uh, you know activism people are, are anxious to do. And so for me, it seems like the projects that are profitable are going to be sustainable, and we should at least be thinking about and talking amongst ourselves about how to get the projects that we want to succeed and to perpetuate sort of into the black. And so did you, you, you came up with some examples for this, right? Free Talk Live among them. Well, yeah, Free Talk Live and George's Famous Baklava were the only ones that I talked to that are actually in the black in the sense that they are paying someone's salary. Right. Uh, but there are a number of them that are in the black in the sense that people aren't investing in them anymore. Like uh, pork therapy is not paying Stephanie's salary, but it is paying for itself. Free aid is paying for itself. Uh, so there's a number of them where that's the model, where like the actual organizers 
are sort of volunteering to participate, but they're not spending their own money anymore. It has, through donations or through selling products or whatever, has managed to sort of sustain itself as an entity, which is, I, that's, that's, I think, the transitional form into a sustainable project. Now, so that's, 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 not, that's not something I expected to hear, and I was very heartened to hear that there are a lot of projects like that. Now, um, you, everything you've mentioned there appears to originate from New Hampshire. Is there anything that you would call agorist that is not originating from New Hampshire? And what's your criteria for agorism? I, I've heard several. Uh, well, okay, so the, I'm not just talking about agorist projects because, um, you know, like technically speaking, Silver Circle is not an agorist project. They're they're above board in a lot of ways. They're sort of having to comply with some laws and some licensing and, and taxes and things like that. And and that's a necessity of being, you know, uh, attempting to be as, as large a film as they are going to end up being. Right. Um, but it is still a liberty project, right? So, sure. um I would say that, like, I interviewed um, Drew Phillips from Don't Tread on Meme and Ernie yep. Hancock from Freedom Phoenix, and they're not in New Hampshire, and I, they're definitely Liberty Projects. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably even call them agorist projects because they're counter-economic, but I don't know. I don't know where they are as far as like paperwork or participation with the FCC or anything like that. So sure. I don't know. Um, uh, but that's not really my criterion. My criterion is just the liberty movement. So the Ron Paul campaign, I would put in this analysis, and I would say I would say probably that political campaigns in general are entirely run on enthusiasm. They're not profitable in any way. Yeah, I mean, how how could it be otherwise? Uh, certainly, there's a lot of enthusiasm, or was a lot of enthusiasm about the Ron Paul campaign. I'd say it's waning somewhat. You saw the worst example of an enthusiasm bubble burst when Ron Paul lost in 2008. Yeah. And you saw, like, depression amongst liberty activists because they had invested all of this into something that that, that, that investment did pay off, and it was essentially a loss, even though there was obviously education that happened and, and people being activated and turned into other projects that happened. But the campaign itself was a loss. Right. And it's funny how, um, you know, that sort of affects things because going forward, because with the Ron Paul campaign, I, I was one of those people in 2008. I was certainly depressed. I, I don't know what I thought, but I guess I thought that he was going to win or had some chance to win or whatever. And it was just like, I guess I thought that the, the showing in New Hampshire was miserable compared to what I expected it to be. And yeah, so, I remember you promised us New Hampshire, and it that's right. I, I think I promised New Hampshire, uh, or at least twenty uh, percent of New Hampshire, some some number. Uh, God knows, and it didn't work out. And I was, yeah. you know, dejected about that. And now this time around, like I had no belief that Ron Paul was going to win the election. Now I didn't mind that he was doing the education and all these things. I mean, all that stuff's wonderful, but you know, at at no point would I allow any of the other people to get me to believe that Ron Paul was going to win. So what did that result in? I mean, is it the fact that I wasn't fully on board and therefore maybe a bunch of other people, not therefore, but a bunch of other people weren't on board? Did that cause him to not do as well as he would have? I mean, it's it's funny, this whole faith thing that we have around elections. Well, I can tell you what changed for me. Uh, in 2007 and 2008, I donated quite a bit of money to the Ron Paul campaign. And in the last four years, I've taken that money and I've I've upped my AMP dollars and I've donated to free aid and I've donated to pork therapy and I've donated to like the organizations that are working, you know, three sixty five, twelve months out of the year. 
so I'm still I'm still contributing to a movement into an educational machine that that I support, but it's not going to disappear after the primary. Right. Well, and, you know, the funny thing about his campaign, though, is it didn't really disappear. I guess the campaign for liberty really was hard at work, as as much as it didn't seem like that for three years. You know, was hard at work uh, getting, you know, working behind the scenes and managed to really pull off this uh, electoral thing that they thought they were going to pull off, or delegate thing they right. thought they were going to pull off. I mean, I, I think they did very well with that. And if what they had hoped would happen, which is Santorum and uh, Gingrich would have gotten out of the race when they should have gotten out of the race, <laughs> might have happened, then maybe things would have worked out for them. Who knows? I mean, it's all a bunch of ifs and, and what ifs, but, eh, you know, it's, it's interesting to speculate. So, uh, so you know, I don't really have a lot of conclusions in the article because mainly it's that I want it to be a discussion to start to have because I've heard a number of people, and I don't know what, where this, this comes from per se, but I've heard a number of people who have sort of um, touted that their projects are not for profit. And to me, when I hear that, that means my project is not sustainable. I, I I don't know that I've heard that, but I guess I, you know I, anything that's worth doing is worth making a profit at because then you can continue to do it, right? I mean, if it's something that right. somebody is going to want for some period of time, then why in the world wouldn't we want it to continue? Yeah, and I mean, I'm not really talking about the tax status. Like, I understand that that as far as like profit organization versus nonprofit organization, technically, an organization like Free Aid would be classified as a non organization but behind the scenes it's still run like a business davi i'm having a little bit of uh in and out with your audio is there an um if you can wander over to some place that you believe to give you better uh, reception please do so okay um so you know free talk live kind of does what you're saying though we we have the amp program which in is sort of a uh, a not-for-profit contained within a for-profit, if you understand. I mean, we tell people that their dollars will go specifically to advertise, market, and promote Free Talk Live. Um, you know, so we're going to buy ads and go to conventions and, you know, maybe buy some equipment for some radio stations and things like that. So their their dollars aren't going to buy us, you know, whatever it is that we want, cars and, uh, you know, house payments and all those things. We get that from advertising. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, does that fit or not fit in what you're uh, you're talking about in that in that arena? Uh, no, I think that 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 fits almost almost exactly. I feel like the donation model is working for a lot of projects. Um, I I'd like so there's it's sort of like if you were talking to a financial consultant about your you know your stock portfolio or something like that, they always say that you should diversify your assets and that you should have like 10% in gold and 50% in bonds or whatever. I don't know what the ratios are. Um, But they always say you should diversify your assets that way. Like if the market turns one way, you're doing all right here and not all right here, and it sort of balances out in the long run, right? Well, I feel like that is what the successful projects are doing, is that they're diversifying their income streams. So you have like Free Talk Lab, for example, you have income coming from the AMP program, but you also have income coming from, like, advertisers. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, someone like Mandrick has income coming from Baklava, but he also has income coming from the food cart. It's available right now on Kindle and readynewsreview.com. people's houses. Yeah. Can but, you hear me? Yeah, I'm sorry. We had some audio come in there. Okay. Um, and it's the same with me, too. I don't have, when it comes to my my freelance sort of, agorist work, I don't have a single client. I have 
clients that buy paintings. I have clients mm-hmm. that buy graphic design. I have clients that are paying me to blog. And so it's sort of the same idea that you diversify your income stream and that makes you more sustainable in the long run. Uh, this is uh, this was advice given to me when I started early on in advertising, essentially the same thing, which is, um, you know, a, the a, the lady who, who handled national advertising basically told me, look, don't do what these other reps have done and just, you know, put all your eggs in one basket. You need to stay, you know, it's, it's fine to have an auto dealer or two, but you don't want to have your whole client base be a bunch of car dealerships because, you know, when, when the market falls out on people buying cars, then you're going to be in real big trouble or whatever. And that was the, uh, the advice. So sounds sounds similar in that arena. I mean, to, to some extent, that's just, that's not even economics. That's just nature. Mm-hmm. Like, a species which diversifies its source of food is going to be a uh, it's going to have survival fitness over one that's dependent on a single food source those right. darn pandas <laughs> right so uh, so i mean that's just that's just a, i think it's almost like a natural law so um you were able to find what basically two is uh, george's famous baklava and uh, free talk live of uh, businesses that were managing to make it as far as agorism yeah. and you're hoping to Stefan Molyneux may be one. I didn't, oh, yeah. I didn't email him. Uh, he, but there are, there are like, I mean, I took a very small sampling. I think I emailed maybe 10 people. I see. Um, so I'm sure, and those are just the ones I'm familiar with. I'm sure there are others out there that are doing it. I don't know exactly what's going on with Stefan's uh, you know, business model or whatever, but from having spoken to him, I think that he's making it entirely on the donation model, small donations from listeners who are you know, very fond of his message. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's got, he's got a loyal following, so I think he's going to be doing just fine in that arena. His wife, as I understand, has a, has a real job or something like that, but you know, he's managing to make it uh, basically be a stay-at-home dad and have uh, the second income coming in and, and is doing fine by it. So um, if people want to enter into the conversation about, uh, you know, agorism and that kind of thing, uh, I can see that there's uh, quite a few posts underneath the article here. What, uh, how, how would one do so? Uh, well, I mean, the article is at uh, dailyanarchist.com. Uh, but I'm also, I'm all over the place. I'm blogging on Silver Circle. I'm on examiner.com. I mean, if, you, if, if somebody brought it up in the BBS, I'd probably see it. <laughs> so... So, um, dailyanarchist.com? Yeah, dailyanarchist.com is where that article is. Okay. And that's where there's some good comments in the comments section already. So, Cool. Well, Davi, I appreciate your time here. Um, and uh, we've, we've plugged the website. So, uh, you know, go on about your day, sir. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the interview.